Pocket full of rainbows. Yeah. Pocket full of rainbows. How are we doing tonight? I got to tell you, I am so happy to be talking to you on this microphone again. She's back. The big boom is back in business. I'm so happy. I'm the happiest guy you ever met. I, it's like I got a pocket full of rainbows <laughs> you know if i <laughs> if i was with joe i'd have a pocket full of rainbows <laughs> i gotta tell him that next time pocket full of rainbows hey hey now hey now a couple of housekeepings we got a guest waiting in the wings to, to pop out we're gonna do that probably already know who it is hello stoker stokey stoker um you guys let me know if I'm not sounding good, but I know I'm sounding good because I tested this shit. Go check it out. We, you know, I did a little test broadcast. I talked about a really interesting, funny story about Screaming Jay Hawkins. We, I know we got a lot of Screaming Jay Hawkins fans in the house, so check that out. That's on the channel as well. Um, big thing to talk about. We're going to talk about it more with our guest when he when he pops out. We're we we're doing a show in Lodi. Yeah, at the VFW, it's presented by They Came From Lodi, or whatever you want to call that, that banner. They Came From Lodi Presents. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to try and tell some jokes. Oh, we got somebody else who was at that show. We got Hot Tub Rob, a.k.a. BMAC. What's up? Hey, now. Hey, now. Pete's back again. Pete was with us this afternoon. Hi, Droid. I, I, I know Rue Morg was here earlier because I saw a pocket full of Rue's. Let's start off with the theme song because that's how we like to start our show, right? That's how we should start, always start the show. So I'm going to do that right now. I'm, I'm going to be recording a new theme. So, no, we have the music. I have to record the lyrics for the new theme. And then I'm going to shoot a new intro. But that the, the, the date and time as to when it's going to premiere is yet to be seen. As I am a busy man with way too many fingers in way too many pies. I should start putting my toes in pies as well. Here we go. Jeff is going to talk about the misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. Might have shown some weight if he went out for a walk. He doesn't care. He's not in the ranch. Doodly doodly Man, I you know I got plans for another one, something else similar to that. I can't I can't reveal what it is yet. I, I love doing that. I love shouting that out and then not telling you what it is. We got mom in the house. Chris, what's going on, Chris? There's room morgue. Everybody's in town. That's good. That's good. So as I was saying, we're doing a, a, a VFW thing. We'll do that. We'll talk more about that in a second. Let me bring it. Let me bring him in now. I might as well. He's just sweating backstage. He's got the stage fright. We're gonna we're gonna help him feel comfortable. Hold on one second. We'll, we'll bring out Robbie Bloodshed. Hey, hey. Robbie. Hey, what's, what's going, going on? on? You know, we should get. I need to get like some sort of applause thing. You, you know? need one of those radio buttons where you could just have sound effects ready to go. 
Is that what it is? It's like a, it's like a, a keyboard, right? And you yeah. just hit everything's pre-programmed. That's what I need. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I need. That's what I need. Absolutely. Uh, truly, truly people, people love the, the opener. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad people like the opener. It makes me happy. It has its little, it has its funny little charm. Classic. Has its fun. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. Um, so before we dive into our our main topic, let's first talk about the show. We got Chris. Chris is in the audience as well. What's up, Chris? Um, tell me about what the idea was behind uh, the the impetus for you and and John to sort of put this thing together. We just we really wanted to put together a show with all of like. I don't want to say alumni, but alumni of like around your show. You know, I mean, I met John through just bullshitting on these, you know, on the YouTube chats on here. And uh, same with Tony, you know, right? So and Tony as well. It, it, it just it, it blossomed into something cool, you know. And we were like, we got to have Jeff involved in some, you know, we got to have him involved. It's it's we all met through him, you know. So it should be <laughs> it should be interesting. It should be fun, you know. It's it's, I'm really, it's it's a DIY effort. Um, you know, I, I I'm bringing the PA system. Uh, John has the door guy. Um, I you know I rented the hall. It's it's all it's there's no there's no actual promote you know promoter behind it. It's just all of our all of us collectively putting together a show. You know. Well, I mean, promoters these days it's isn't it it's hit or mess with promoters sometimes it's, it, right it's a, it's very far and few between that you find an actual promoter right like because a promoter's job is to promote the show but what ends up happening and the same thing we deal with the same thing in the indie world where you have the indie film world or whatever you want to call it where you have the same problem with distributors they'll pick up your movie they're not going to give you you guys have guarantees well we have guarantees too except they're called money guarantees you get it. It's an upfront guarantee. Um, they don't do that for indies. They give you a back end split and they usually have a marketing cap. Yeah. You know, costs, costs associated with marketing stuff that they're not actually doing. We got, Absolutely. we got Christopher in the house. How are you, Chris? I'm, we'll see met, Chris tomorrow night. I met Chris, uh, on, on Saturday. I met Chris. Oh, did you? That's I right. Did. Chris was there as well. Right, that's the Chris. We're oh wait, Chris. Uh... Christopher Jimenez. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I met him. I met him. I met him briefly. Nice. Yeah. We um guys tomorrow night, Chris and I will be reconvening for Sinful Celluloid episode number eight. We're going to be talking about horror movie soundtracks. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, so make sure to tune in tomorrow night for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we were talking about promoters. Yeah, you know what the thing is, like, a lot of the times now, especially in New Jersey, New York, they want you to sell tickets no matter what. Um, I, I'm one of those guys that if it's for a band that I actually care about and is noteworthy, I will sell tickets. Um, I don't In New Jersey, I usually don't have a problem getting rid of them. But if it's for a local show, I have no reason to sell tickets because as this show will kind of – not that I'm a fucking – I'm not a rock star or a celebrity. I'm not bringing in thousands of people, but I, I, there's no reason I would have to sell tickets at just a local New Jersey show if I'm playing by myself. Like, it's there's no, it doesn't make sense, you know. What what you what you mean to say is that you don't have a problem drawing locally, which no, no, not at all. No, no, makes total sense. That's so what... why would I have to? I, 
I just yeah. I feel like it's a it's a it's a cheat to have to sell tickets for someone who's going to be banking off what I bring, you know? Right. I mean, it's it's basically making it's making the the artists sort of do the work. And at the end of the day, they don't really end up doing much of anything. They're they're glorified middlemen exactly. who wet their beak for no reason. So it's like this return to, you know, this notion of sort of, uh, of putting on a show yourself, the old DIY punk rock method makes perfect sense in this day and age. It's caused a lot of, frankly, it's caused a lot of filmmakers to recontextualize YouTube and how YouTube, people don't realize that YouTube is essentially a global broadcasting platform and if you have enough traffic you can monetize that channel and frankly i'm making you know more money than i ever did on amazon prime through doing this stuff yeah you know absolutely. when i had a bunch of films on amazon prime it didn't make me a lot of money at all absolutely at the end of the day it's the same thing with pay to play too it's like exactly it's this it's this it's this notion of validation. Oh, I'm opening up for this guy. Oh, I'm on Amazon Prime. And you're not you're losing money or you're paying money or I would never I would never take a pay to play where I know I can't fulfill. I'm not going to buy tickets to open for something. That's just ridiculous. You're not It's right. really not it's, it's not worth it. Right. I see uh, Matt Wolf a... in the comments. He was a great I I met him briefly. He was a great guy. Really cool. Mech Wolf. Yeah, no, yeah, he popped he popped up. Super and Dagger Dagger's wondering what happened to Foodie Confidential. It just it ended, bro. It ended, you know. I was uh it was it was too much work on my end. The other guy wasn't doing much of anything. I was setting up you know, it takes a lot of time to set up these episodes. It's not like super easy to do like not i mean it's 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 not that it's hard it's it's work you have to put in you have to make a thumbnail you have to set up the session you have to put in all the metadata on youtube it takes time it takes you know half hour you know to do it right maybe an hour you know that's time that's time is money right so it's kind of like i i got sick of doing it with that guy so it's it's the show is the show is cashed he's a nice guy but it just didn't work out is what it is. But um, on to other things. So you flew out yeah, to uh, Las Vegas, uh, not Las Vegas. I keep saying, thinking it's in Vegas, in Los Angeles, in Los it's Angeles. Probably because, you know, Elvis with Vegas, but no, it was Los right. Angeles. Yeah, you went out there and you went out there with uh, uh, and Tom. Tommy and Chris from Morning Noise. And yep. you guys went to go see these phenomenal shows. Tell me about it. Tell me about the experience. What was it like? From the second you walked in, it was fucking awesome because um, Glenn had a – there's a stuff – there's a donut place out there called Voodoo Donuts. Oh. And he he must have bought freaking thousands of them, like legit <laughs> thousands of them. But they're not like fucking little Dunkin' Donuts donuts. They're legit right. uh, donuts. And he had Premium them on, donuts. <laughs> he had them on tables for people to, you know, just take as many as you want when you go in. Oh, my God. They were phenomenal. I probably gained five pounds this weekend fucking eating that shit. But, I would have gained uh, 25. I would have just <laughs> not. I've heard I've heard so much about Voodoo Donuts, man. It's it like it, one it of those... lived up to the hype. I didn't have the one with like, there was one with like, I think bacon and shit like that. Oh, and I don't, it was ridiculous. Mm. But um, I just had a chocolate one. Chris grabbed me because uh, we got, we went, we, we, uh. Chris we says rushed. that it was 400 boxes of donuts. <laughs> 
just ridiculous amount of fucking donuts. I mean, that's amazing, though. Like, I, I legitimately wouldn't be able to stop eating. I would just start. <laughs> Bob Powell is saying it was $1,400 worth. Bob, how do you know this figure? Is this true? <laughs> it was an absurd amount of fucking donuts. Oh, Chris confirms it. Chris confirms it. He says four. Is it? Wait, Chris, are you confirming 400 boxes? Oh, Ringmaster was there. Ringmaster was there as well. He was on a diet. We're going to have a lot of people who are in the comments who were who were there so they can sort of uh, sprinkle in details. Glenn said Glenn said it was worth four. It was fourteen hundred dollars worth of donuts. I ate about five. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a photo. It said the Memphis Mafia donut. Ridiculous, dude. Damn. Uh, that's great, man. I, I love that he made it special like that, you know? Yeah, no, that's it was nice. really a cool vibe, you know? As soon as you walked in, um, you know, it was the donuts and the merch table. They had some cool merch. I didn't get to pick up um, anything, but it was like a... Tell me about the merch. What kind of merch are you talking about? It, it was a Danzig Sings Elvis uh, shirt. I think it was two Danzig Sings Elvis shirts, and it had a uh, Roosevelt Hollywood uh, right. hotel on the back of it. It was cool. I, I didn't pick one up, but... Uh, it was definitely there was some I saw some merch where there was like a box and it has like, you know, dice in it and like playing cards. And I didn't see that kind of like, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Like when um, Death Red came out okay. and remember the mausoleum thing, yeah, 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 that little box thing. Yeah. Which, you know, I didn't pick one up. I don't even know what it cost, but I heard every I single person that got it, got it broken. Basically, like 80 percent of people. Well, that sucks, but what, and you know, he's pretty good about like the quality of his stuff oh, yeah, in absolutely. general, but what really made that set feel like a letdown is that there was no vinyl. If he had ha put a vinyl in that mausoleum, I would have definitely picked up. It would have been worth whatever the price tag was, because I bet you, you know, I picked up that, that red vinyl of death red. I just bought it because I just wanted to have it on vinyl. And then I think it was Tanner or somebody was like, yo, that's worth $100. And I was like, what? I um, what? I, I bought a vinyl, the Death Red. I think it was some, I forget what 7-inch it was, but uh, it was 7-inch. Yeah. He was selling them for dirt. I think it was like 10 bucks. It was dirt cheap at uh, this place called um, Vintage Vinyl that unfortunately went out of business about two months ago. It's one of the best. It was probably the best record shop in New Jersey. Yeah, and he did a signing at it, and that was the first time I ever met him. Who, Glenn? Yeah, Glenn. Oh, he was doing a signing. I was like thirteen years old, and he was super nice. He was he was friendly to everybody. He was it was cool. That's I mean, I that I it's weird. I forget like not to be, not not to I I forget I forget that you are that you were thirteen in two thousand ten. Like it's kind of <laughs> surreal to me. Like it's a little surreal. I don't. I don't want to be one of those, you know, guys who's like, hey, you age, blah blah blah. Yeah, I hate yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. I hate it myself. But yeah. it just went. You know, it'll happen to you too. Somebody will, you know, make oh, yeah. a reference to something in the same way that I think. You know what? I think it was Chris or somebody, Chris Morantz, in the comments, who posted something from 1985, or maybe it was 19. Oh, he posted an article from Lodi on my birthday in 1982 so i was negative three and i <laughs> i made a comment about that. that's awesome i was like yeah i was negative three <laughs> all right so tell so so you're you you see all the donuts there's tons of donuts and then tell me what else is going on here now you walk in and there's just so many like old school like the red uh 
seats for everybody just lined up and then there was the tables up front there was probably like like two rows of uh circular tables by the right. stage and uh i was lucky because we got there uh you know as soon as the doors opened we were right in and we sat the first row of wow. seats of seats you know it was, it was both funny. nights no 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 just the saturday night we weren't we let <laughs> so we we were hanging out afterwards um the after party and then we left there around probably two o'clock we got back to the hotel we had to leave that hotel four thirty five o'clock oh my lord so we it was literally uh, it was and that that's a whole different story what a disaster i would never voluntarily fly united right. again united sucks sucks so much i i i have that i have that problem yeah we'll take uh we'll take some call-ins in a bit chris we could do that in a little bit um be interesting to hear some other perspectives uh so the the flight was the flight was haggard terrible um they canceled the flight on us without us knowing they changed the flight time around where they were where chris and tommy were on an earlier flight than me even though we booked it all on the same fucking yeah. flight it was it was a disaster I mean, everything worked out, but it was a disaster. Um, tell so. Tell me about the actual shows. Tell me about the instrumentation. Who's in the band at the time? I know Steve uh, was on drums. What Steve, like what was the whole Steve, deal? Steve killed it on drums. He fits that style so well. Um, the guy, the piano player, was phenomenal as well. Uh, Ronnie King, I believe his name was. Right. Yeah. He, uh, he he was phenomenal. I forget the guitarist's name. But he had a beautiful guitar. I believe some kind of Gretsch, and he had an old he, Fender amp. He's a um, known guy. I, I've never yeah. heard of him either. Jesse something. I have his yeah. name in the description here. I don't, I don't. I'm not familiar with him. Whoever he was, he was phenomenal. Phenomenal. This isn't a knock on Tommy Victor, but he, this guy, was the guy for this job because Tommy does the metal stuff, you know. Right. Uh, this guy, he was perfect everything about his guitar playing the tone it was it was perfect for what this was jesse dayton yes steve says it's jesse dayton he was he was phenomenal he really was um and did i guess steve could answer this question too was steve playing with like was steve playing with like the um like the soft kind of sticks or like the hard kind of sticks or like what kind of he was using regular sticks just regular sticks you know what i'm talking about those those sort of like wires? yeah Rock just like for like the softer sort of i'd imagine there's some sort of instrumentation on danzig sings elvis that I, I had brushes around i was trying to find it yeah they're I don't brushes that they're called brushes yeah yeah brushes i right. don't think they, I, don't, I don't i'm not sure he was using brushes um that's interesting that's interesting all right so so what is so what's going down there's no opener right uh there was um, there, there was, was an opener. There was a cello player wow. playing some like classical stuff. It was really cool, and it was like a cello through like a fuzz box of sorts. Like it was strange. Um, a fuzz you know, cello. It, it was very, uh, very strange, but it was cool. You know, it was very cool. Um, he he played for about twenty minutes, and then yeah, he uh, went off. I guess he was just like a as people were walking in, he was playing. Right. Oh, so he was, he was intro music. Now, intro now, music. could you order? You said you were sitting at tables. Is this like a brew in view? Could you eat? 
Um, Could you eat know. at the I thing? Don't, I don't think. <laughs> I, I don't think so. There was a bar outside, but uh, I didn't see any. But so but no. people cook. People were eating donuts. Donuts. Absolutely. Yeah. People were shoving their faces with them. So. Yeah. Uh, so would I. I'd be. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. God, you're so you're so great. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Um. Does anybody in the audience? How does my mic sound? Does my mic sound good? Do I sound? Yep, yep. D- Robbie Robbie said so. I just want to I just want validation from the audience as well. It'd be great. <laughs> um the producer, okay, check this out. So Chris says the producer from Veronica and Death Rider was the cello player? Is that what? Is that what you mean by that? The cellist was playing horror movie and TV related themes and Elvis songs. Yeah, it was really cool. Je- Jesse Dayton was Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures. Captain Clegg and Night Creatures, as Chris and I recently discussed, Captain Clegg is a horror, a hammer horror film, and so is the Night Creatures in that box set. I agree, man. Twin Temple, that would have been a great opener. I'd just like to see Twin Temple open for Danzig in general. Who's Twin, Te- who's Twin Temple? Oh, Robbie, they, you are going to love t- yeah. Twin Temple. When we get when you get off, there's two, there's two bands you're going to check out. Go One, on. I've already told you to check out and that's x i want you to listen to a lot of x like you have to listen to the first three albums of x it will i i think it will it will affect you deeply and influence you in wonderful ways secondly got to check out twin temple i can't even describe their sound i guess there's like a little bit of doo-wop there but it's like they they sing about satan but it's like uh they're they're kind of like where Amy Winehouse left off in terms of like that old vintage doo-wop. I don't know. I'm going to just not, Okay. I'm going to butcher it. Apparently Jonathan James says that twin temple was actually in attendance on Saturday night. So they were there with you. That's cool. That is cool. All right. Uh, So you got um, the, what's his name too? Um, Jerry Cantrell was in attendance. Oh, he was. Yep. Yep. He was. That's pretty cool. Who else? Did you see anybody else of note? Any, um, um, trying to see that was all i remember i believe um so tell me about the show so so the the cello player plays everybody's eating these delicious voodoo donuts that i've still yet to try i tell you next time i go out to la i'm gonna get voodoo donuts and i want in and out burger and by the way if you are just joining us and it is your first time please make sure to like share and most importantly subscribe to this channel we talk and revel in all things Misfits, Sam Hain, and Danzig, as well as all kinds of mo- music and movies on this channel all the time. So make sure you subscribe. I'm sorry. Continue on, Robbie. No, uh, so yeah, we, as soon as um, as soon as Glenn came out, they broke right into uh, One Night. That was awesome. It's as soon as they came out and, you know, they started the dun, 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 yeah. the crowd went fucking bananas. Okay, honest question. Honest question. I for me, the weakest track, and I people know people anybody who listens to my channel knows how much I love Danzig sings Elvis. I like it better than I think it's the pretty much the strongest thing he's put out in 25 years, besides like Death Red. I love it. But I think one night with you is I'll say this. Not, I'll, say this. I'll say this. Is it better live? That's what I want to know. One thousand percent. And I, what partly why, I think is the energy, 
Okay. The energy was there. I think it was a little bit lacking on the album. It was more laid back and shit like that. Um, live, it was they had that balls that it needed. And Steve was doing some like nice build up stuff. Um, you know what's funny uh, with Steve? Like I noticed it. There's only two drummers that I noticed do these kind of fills. Yeah. Um, that play with Glenn. It's Jim, Mr. Jim, and Steve. It's this type of build ups with like the snare and the hi hat that most punk rock or metal drummers don't do it's build-ups like with a, like a crescendo of like and yeah. i noticed a lot of that on uh and it's almost like a shuffle beat with it and he, he was doing that with one night that i really enjoyed it it gives like such a different uh dimension with or a dynamic rather with the building up of the choruses and shit like that um first of all before we answer pete's question here right he wants to know how pocket full of rainbows best song of, the night. of course i want to know best fucking song of the night without a doubt <laughs> i'm so glad to hear that but uh what i you know what's nice to talk to you about because you're a musician and you play all these instruments it's nice to be able to hear you break them down in terms and sort of mechanics or you're you're observing things that maybe somebody who casually has seen the show might not recognize yeah. so i no, appreciate I would, that that was the first thing I noticed with like, there's just the, there's a classic buildup with from the verse to the choruses of one night. And um, it's something that Mr. Jim does and it's something that Steve does. Uh, it's And it's the only drummers that I noticed with Glenn hmm. that do it. You know, you could hear it. Classic examples of it are like um, the Sam Main version of horror business. The buildups or when yeah. the snare and, and the crashes going pop, 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 pop. The only other drummer who did that was Mr. Jim with like the ending of Attitude. It's not a classic Tom and snare buildup. It's a ride and a snare buildup. No other drummers with Glenn have ever done that kind of shit. And I love so, it. What's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, one of the, I don't, I don't feel out of turn saying this, but Steve is a big misfits fan right yeah, steve yeah, loves yeah. the misfits and steve loves static age and therefore it does it it makes perfect sense when you put two and two together man like that you know absolutely steve absolutely. loves steve loves mr jim's playing on static age so you know maybe there's some dna found Probably. its way from there into there you know Probably. you never know you never know what are you drinking tonight robbie you got a seltzer I got some yeah oh dude we're lime brothers i'm i got the wegman's brand Wegmans is good. Wegmans good. Yeah, Wegmans is okay. I'm, I'm actually that's not true. I love this. This is like crack to me. Lime seltzer is so good. I love lime seltzer. Mm. I love lime. I'll seltzer. tell you guys, there's zero calories in this. You can drink as many as you want, and it's not gonna give you a beer belly. No, nope. it's really nice. It's really really nice, and you could drive a car afterwards. It's cool. <laughs> um, I listened to it about 200 times, Chris. You, because you were just <laughs> reveling. You were reveling after seeing it live. You had to just listen to it on the record. See, Chris Chris, and I are freaks where we will just listen to a song like on repeat about a thousand times. Me too. <laughs> like, Me too, just, of course. Bam, 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 never stopping. Because, you know, when you really find a song that clicks, you just want to listen to it over and over again. And again, you know, for some who have heard me talk about um danzig sings elvis at nauseum this is just going to sound redundant but we're that's what this tonight's show is all about is about danzig singing elvis and pocket full of rainbows is just one of the it's just 
it's so good what really makes it now here's the thing how do they because here's what it sounds like on the record the the percussion is really sort of outrageous can you describe what it was like live like what is going on it was in your face it was in your face no but what is he doing what is steve doing what is me how are you getting that he's doing with the kick and then the, yeah. uh, the snare he's in like a rim shot of the snare like a pop pop yeah okay it just sounds really it's the same thing with maybe it's fever as well there's like um fever the tom's uh, on fever that Steve was doing sounded yeah. so massive. He's going boop, 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 boop. It's like a John Bonham sound of like boop, 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 boop. You know? Oh my God. I bet it was, it was great, man. Oh, it, here's, it was the, here's the $45,000 question, of course, because we know Glenn's voice is not what it used to be. It's not. It's not. It, it was at its. It was at it, he was at his peak powers in the early 90s with the first lineup of Danzig. That's when it was at its most powerful. That's when he was like a powerful lion, right? Yeah. yeah. And then his voice um, declined in various different ways and formats. And we all, yeah, we all, you know, I do my impression of Glenn with his rasp and whatnot. And his his voice is not what it used to be. However, however, when he sings the Misfit songs, he's using different vocal yeah. cords in his neck that are not That's affected great. in the way that they're affected when they sing Danzig material. Absolutely. Those Misfit songs sound perfect, even now. I mean, again, as I've said, nobody sings those Misfit songs like Glenn. So here's my question. Here's the $45,000 question. What does it sound like when Glenn is not doing that Danzig-style material and he's not doing that Misfit-style material? I How... Think- Sorry, go ahead. I, I, no, no. I think he should honestly, like, you know, I love the Misfit stuff and, you know, I love Danzig stuff. Mm-hmm. He should sing mellow songs for not for, you know, I mean, obviously he could do whatever he wants, but I think when he sang it really mellow and yeah. like, he's not forcing his voice to strain, you know what I mean? It's, it's like uh, Jonathan just said, it suited his voice perfectly because he was able to embellish on like certain notes without like really stretching right. for it. You know what I mean? It was just taken aback a bit and it sounded really nice because it, um, you know, when he does the dancing stuff and he really has to reach for certain notes and shit like that. It, it and sounds, also it's the speed, right? Like the tempo is, he's got to go, you know, keep going. Yeah. Uh, B-Mac said there's no rasp. There really was no rasp. I couldn't believe it. Because you think, even his talking voice, maybe because, I mean, I, I know when I sing, if I'm getting a horse, even my talking voice will be hoarse. Um, right. it, it wasn't. It, it was very, it was crazy. Um, it, it, it maybe it's it's quite clearly, I think, from what you're saying, and again, I haven't heard it, but I've heard, the only thing I heard was I heard teeny little snippets on Instagram. And, you know, like from that, like it, it sounded like I could just, I could only imagine it captured my imagination. I could only imagine what it must have sounded like. And it sounds like, you know, I talk about this all the time with Ringo or anybody, there's power in restraint. Yeah. And absolutely. there's, there's sort of like you find nuance in subtlety. And perhaps that's, um, those are waters that Glenn should try and explore more, you know, do more of these sort of, shows 
you know, where he's or or at least explore a songbook or a catalog that, you know, represents softer songs, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree. like to see that. I would like to see that as well. I'd love to hear an acoustic album. Yes. Not songs done acoustically. Like, I don't want to hear, like, Mother Acoustic. Like, I'm not saying that. I mean, like, writing songs acoustic. You know what I mean? Um. Uh, dude, me too. Like, don't don't give us don't don't give us uh don't acoustify anything. Just give us some songs that are written acoustically Absolutely. or stripped down like this. Here's a good question from Alberto. Says, ask Robbie B. Um, would Glenn? What would Glenn say between songs? Any interesting antidotes? Um, there was <laughs> when he finished Fever. He goes. I'm sure all your parents used to listen to that one, right? He goes, I'm talking about the Elvis version, not that other shit version. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, that was funny. Well, it's interesting. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Con continue, no, I'm trying continue. to think. I'm trying to. That was, I mean, I, I get so, in, you know, wrapped up in the mall. I don't really, it's hard for me to retain stage banter, but uh, he was right. in a great mood. He was, you know, he was bullshit, you know, he was, uh, you know, busting, uh, he was busting Steve's balls it was, during one part. It was funny. Um, he was, you know, he was in a good mood on stage. Jonathan James said he spoke about the donuts a bit. Oh yeah. He said, oh, I'm sure all you fucks gained five pounds after this. Yeah. He, he, I, I, I would probably, I probably would too. Um, Jack says, I wish he could have done skeletons and this album with better production, like cat people on lost tracks of Danzig. Uh, that track sounds absolutely great. I, I got to tell you, man, as a guy, I am a guy who loved the production on Danzig Sings Elvis and was not a fan of what he was doing on Skeletons. So I personally, I feel like whatever he was doing, you know, it's almost like because he was covering other people's songs, covering Elvis's songs written by other people, that it was almost like he's going to go outside of his normal comfort zone and box production wise, which I think, which I received very well. I was like, yes, great. BMAC said something that was, that happened. Um, Glenn sang a verse of blood and tears. Acapella uh, too. Somebody, somebody screamed it and he goes, me and him know it talking about Steve, but these two don't know it. So I'll, I'll sing a little bit for you. And then he sang it acapella for a little bit. He, wow, he, <laughs> he's in a really good mood to do something like that. Yeah. Um, he's B Mac says before Rainbow, he said that no one expected him to do this one. Yep. yep. And you want to know something? Yeah, caught in my eye, Pete. He did caught in my eye by the germs. You know, I I that's what I, that's what I love so much about the record is that the most we talk about this all the time. Oh. You guys want Danzig? You guys want some more Danzig 4? Here's Danzig 5. Oh, you want Danzig 5? Here's Danzig 6. Jerry um, Montano talked about that. It's like, okay, I'm going to do an Elvis record. I'm going to do a song called Pocket Full of Rainbows. I'm going to go and do a <laughs> song like Black Hell and Skulls and Daisies. You know what? Fuck that. Pocket Full of, yeah. pocket full of Rainbows, baby. I love yeah. it. I love it. Uh, Jonathan James would have liked to have heard Trouble. 
I, I thought he would have done trouble. That kind of. I, I I was hoping for trouble. I was hoping for Blue Christmas or something. I know it. You know it. The, you know the Misfits version of Blue Christmas was awesome that he did. Yeah. And you know what else they used to do back in the day? Heart. I believe they did Heartbreak Hotel as well. That would have been cool. To they hear. did Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think I so. Remember, I I just remembered something else he said too. Um, I believe it was before Love and Arms. Yeah. He's like um. He's like, I don't know if you guys know, but Elvis was the first one to really combine country and rock and roll, you know, that hillbilly shit, something like that. And uh, that's when he went into Love and Arms. It was, it was, that one is probably a highlight of the show too. That one was really cool. Um, I, I just, I just love that he took such a risk at this stage in his career to do something like this i just think it's really truly great yeah and it's kind of interesting to think that he's doing songs that elvis sang it's really it, it's really a it's a vocal album you know yeah. i i saw i don't know where i think the guy jack was saying something about he was talking about the production or stuff that bothered him i i think what he and many people failed to realize about danzig sings elvis this is not about instruments at all a lot of glenn's music is not about instruments and this stuff is not about instruments it's all about the voice dude it's about a voice and this album is a vo voice album it's a vocal album it's a album to showcase singing not nobody cares about the the anything else is just an accompaniment to sort of wrap around the voice i think absolutely absolutely so you know, there's that. Okay, what what so so he played a bunch of songs that are not on Yes the record. I'm trying to think I, I had it I had you know, I had the set list that somebody oh I forgot to shout them out. I have to shout out this person, hold on, because I took a screenshot of their set list that they got from the show. I, I it's uh it, wait I'm a minute. Think. She thinks I still care. Okay. Uh, when it rains it pours. Yeah. First in line. CC Ryder, Little yeah. Sister. Uh, those are some of the ones. Oh, here's the full set list. I have it right here. Uh, shout out to Cameron Carsrud uh, from the Seventh House, who snagged a set list and I screenshotted it and put it in the thumbnail of this of this video. Here's the full set list. And then tell me anything that pops out to you, Robbie. Um, yep. one night, baby, let's play house. That was fun. That was a fun. Lon one. Lonely blue boy. Um, is it so strange? Like a baby, pocket full of rainbows. Girl of my best friend, which I freaking love that song. Great song. That one was really good. That one I, re I specifically remember. Young and Beautiful is a great song, too. That Young and Beautiful, Fever, Loving Fever. Arms, Always on My Mind, She Thinks I Still Care, When It Rains, It Pours, First in Line, great song, Love Me, CC Rider, and Little Sister. That was the full set list. And there was and then, no encore. No, the uh, Mystery, uh, Mystery Train. Mystery Train was yeah. the encore? Yep, yep. Oh, interesting. Yep, Mr. Train. Interesting. I, you know, 
I, I got to tell you, I, I, I really think, I hope that he just sort of takes this show out or this, you know what Glenn likes to do. He likes to do one or two. He dips, him, dips his toe in the water. He sees how it's received, and then he does more. If it, you know, if all the, if everything ticks all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? What's going on, Chris? Mystery train tiger man. Yeah. Now. What's interesting, what's interesting, too, about Elvis, what people don't realize about Elvis is Elvis was a dude who, yeah, oh, my God, I know that a Blue Moon would have been interesting to hear him do for sure. I mean, a lot of my exposure, were you a big Elvis guy before uh, or during? You know, the I know, I know the hits. Uh, I don't really know any deep cuts from Elvis aside from Danzig sings Elvis, which is all friggin' deep cuts. <laughs> I mean, know? dude, me, me too. I know I literally, a lot of the songs on Danzig sings Elvis, my first exposure to those songs was listening to that Danzig sings yeah. Elvis record. Yeah. There is a great Spotify playlist that someone put together of the Elvis originals. For those of you out there who are like me and don't aren't familiar with the, I'm a Beatles guy. I know it's, <laughs> See, I put Elvis Diverse. in the same kind of category as Frank Sinatra, except personally, I like Frank Sinatra a lot more than Elvis. I love Frank it, Sinatra. It's too. one of those things like he's a great voice mm -hmm. and a great stage man, but they don't write any of their songs. You know what right. I mean? It's the, they're the face, they're the voice. I mean, they're singers and arrangers. What's, both Frank and Elvis were arrangers, but they were not singers. Songwriters. Yeah. No, songwriters. Uh, songwriters, songwriters, yeah. yeah. Because they both, I mean, obviously you can't, they're both freaking phenomenal singers, vocalists, but yeah, they didn't write any of their own songs. So that, that I kind of consider them that kind of category of, but I don't even know what you would. Now, you know what's interesting, and this is what's so interesting about a guy like Elvis, is that we just said he didn't write any of his songs, but he did do something. It was this very sort of, some might consider it to be a Faustian bargain. Others would consider it very pragmatic. Some people would, you know, have criticized, would criticize Elvis or whoever for this. But for me, I think it, I think it makes perfect sense. Elvis would go to guys who wrote songs and he'd be like, hey, I'll cover your song if you give me 50% of the publishing. Is anybody who knows anything about music is publishing is the that's <laughs> yeah, that's where it's at that's where you own the song you own the part of the copyright of the song i guess and so you know some people were you know tell elvis you know go shove it i'm not going to give you half of my song well you know you're never going to make even a fraction of the money yeah. if you own a hundred percent of the song instead of 50 percent of the song elvis is going to make your song famous by covering it and you're going to make 20 30 40 50 60 70 100 times more than you're going to make than you know owning... recognition alone you know what i mean yeah it, it, it to me it sounds like a very mutually beneficial sound bargain where you know it's almost as if it's like such a simple agreement cover the song i get 50 percent. like how it doesn't get it's so uncomplicated in that kind of way when you think about it like here 50 percent. i'm going to cover the song right so i don't know um what would you like to see net in terms of I, I know we just did a show like this recently but 
I think that seeing these shows live must have captured your imagination and opened the door. You talked about acoustic. You talked about, like, what else could you see Glenn, besides the acoustic thing, what else could you see Glenn doing? You know, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, I would love for him to do just a final punk rock album, going back to his roots. Or like, But it, the thing is... I know you, you, you have the question. I've, I've heard you raise the question, can he write a punk rock album today after, you know, doing Danzig for so right. long? I think, I mean, I know he's he's not a nostalgia guy, but if he dug up old Misfit songs and executed them today, it could be freaking cool. You know? I don't think it would ever happen, but it, I, one could be wishful thinking. Because, you know, I could you could see... I know he's not a nostalgia guy. He has gone full circle with Danzig Sings Elvis in the sense of where did he start out? What was Elvis. he doing when he, before the Misfits? Elvis. Right. It would make sense to go full circle. You know what I'm saying? And finish off with what he began with, you know, with the early punk rock stuff. But that's just, I mean, that's just me being wishful thinking. Um, You know, it is interesting though. He, you know, Sean Garrison, the, the lead singer of King Horse, that Glenn Danzig, he produced his album, and he was in a band called Maurice that used to open for Sam Hain. He was one of the many whippersnappers that would call up Glenn and like talk to him for hours and whatnot. There's like a thing you could do in the in the mid eighties if you had Glenn Danzig's phone number. Now I don't even know if it, I don't know if it was Glenn's phone number or if it was his parents' phone number. Because he lived in his parents' basement, but like you could call the Anzalone residence, and be like, "Hey, is Glenn dancing there?" <laughs> and you could, Glenn, Glenn would get on the phone, and be like, "Hey, what's?" <laughs> just talk to you, you know. Um, but he had like a very interesting insight about like the misfits and just the affinity for Elvis and how it, it was just a very counterculture thing to even kind of do because at that time because. In the early seven, the early seventies, there was a revival of the fifties. It was really, in a way, on the out on the onset of TV and media. You have to think about this because it probably didn't happen in the sixties because TV was really starting to get popular by that time. Seventies um, is the first time where you're seeing a, a nostalgia movement of the fifties. With shows like Happy Days, right? You get Happy Days. Happy Days was super popular. And that's what Sean talks about in this Little Fiend series that he um, that he uh, uh, did on 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 his on online and whatnot. And what's interesting is like the notion that, you know, while all the kids are all these kids are getting into, you know, other stuff that Glenn or you know these kids in New Jersey are fixating on they're fixating on Elvis and stuff and that's supposed to be not cool you know yeah, yeah. but that's what they had an affinity for and you know Glenn's sort of sound some of his sound you know besides like the doors we've talked about how heavy the doors hang on early misfits and whatnot Absolutely. but like just this idea that sort of Elvis was not cool to be into at that time. And yet that was, it was like almost going against the grain. I've said before, Sam Hain is like, if misfits are pop, 
Sam Hain is then anti-pop. And it's like yeah. the same kind of thing, man. It's like we're going to do the anti thing. It's it's not necessarily counterculture. It's almost con it's just pure contrarian, you know. Yeah, I don't no, know. Absolutely. I don't know. I know exactly his name. Danzig sings ABBA. That would be that would be something crazy to see, truly. Oh my lord. Oh my lord. Um Dan says every album in the style of the song Devil's Angels would be cool. Hmm. Um so so what else is happening at this show this weekend, Robbie? Like think, on Saturday. So um trying to like I'm trying to think what um So when they uh I'm trying to think of what how what's the best way to describe the atmosphere because that's really that, Oh, that oh, the, oh, about the yeah. the show. Yeah, oh, that's okay, yeah. Was, Tell me about that. That's most important I think about this. I don't mm -hmm. think if this was in a Starland ballroom or a Nokia theater in New York City, it wouldn't have translated as well. I think because it was such a small environment, it was such a blast. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't think it would translate as well if it was a huge event. You know what I mean? It was just something about it, you know? Could you imagine? Bob says, I'd like to see him do some sort of spoken, oh my <laughs> some God. sort of spoken word to her. <laughs> Could you imagine Glenn just being like, yeah, I like skulls. <laughs> like hanging them on my wall, different types of skulls. You know, what did he say in the Pusshead interview about animals? Something about like animals, you don't know how dangerous an animal is. I can just see a whole sort of. Or that he has. Yeah, he's yeah. like, uh, he uh, what's it called? Uh, he can control things with his mind. Right, of course. We, we all know that. That's, that's very on brand. You know, do it just sort of. Um, speaking to the audience about the ver the variety of of various uh thing you know occult occult roots and whatnot and yada 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 the uh be very very interesting the crystal ship and peace frog yeah i would love to hear him do that live crystal ship could you imagine you think he could tackle those songs today those um those Doors songs, you know, if he was doing I, everything real I gentle. Would love to hear, I would love to hear him do some Doors. I'm sure he could do it. I'm sure he can. I mean, it would it would be interesting to hear. I know. I would I would very much like to see it. I th I think it would definitely work. Um, what else did you do while you were in Los Angeles? You went for some bike rides. You ate some when, in and yeah, out. So, so zing. Chris and Tommy and I went uh went to Venice Beach, rode bikes. Um, it was really, it was cool. You know, I haven't been to Los Angeles in about four years. And, uh, man, it's such a different city than anything around here. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a New York City. You know, it's, it's a totally right. different ball. It's a totally different ball game. Have you ever been to Los Angeles? Very uh when I was young, when I was very, very young, my grandparents used to lend uh used to sort of be out there. They lived out there. And then um I went back when I toured uh with Blitzkid. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, 
that was basically it. I've been wanting to go back and just sort of like casually enjoy uh, Los Angeles for some time. You know, you know, it's it's it's. I know it sounds crazy to say, but it's a very dangerous place. Um, hanging out. Really, you felt I, that I, way? Oh yeah, like especially walking down certain streets, it looks like a war zone. Um, in New York wow. City, the you know the homeless usually leave you alone, and they're very you know they're usually they're elderly. The most they'll do is ask you for some money and stuff like that. Los Angeles, it's a different ballgame. <laughs> like that, I don't know the, what the solution is, but it um, it, they're very like I feel like they'll go after you. You know what I'm hmm. saying? It's 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 not like New York City. Not that New York City is super safe or anything like that, but you know what I'm saying? You know as as a New York, I know you live upstate New York, but oh come on! <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's fine. Let people think I live in upstate New York. Actually, that that works. No, but it's, it's different. You know, it's not. It's not that New York City. They don't bother you. You know what I mean? Everybody goes about their business. It, most of them always ask you for money. I feel like in Los Angeles, man, like it's a war. It's it's pretty insane. You know, um, Bob is saying that the audience on. Saturday was a hundred times better than the one on Sunday. The audience Saturday night, every, I mean, it it was just people were going insane. Really, I mean, as soon as one uh, one night came on in the beginning, it's just a roar of screaming. I love you that. Know? It, it it gave you chills. It really gave you chills. You for know? for Elvis, for Elvis, no less. I know it was just, dude. I've never, I've never been in a. I don't know if maybe it's because shows haven't been happening, so people are just super excited too. I mean, in addition to it being Danzig and only four hundred people or whatever have you. Um, I don't know. Maybe people are just super happy to see a show again. You know, that was the first I think big that show you're I right. saw in a while. I, I, you know what? Actually, Saturday's show is going to be my first show. Since December 2019. Yeah, that this will be. <laughs> that's crazy. It, it, this will be my first New Jersey show since 2019 as well. So this is this is like insane. Like I have literally, I was supposed to see the Pixies September 10th at the Cap. That was canceled. I was supposed to see Bauhaus yesterday. That yeah. also was canceled because of uh, COVID concerns. And this is my first time out. So. If anybody is there and you see me wearing a mask, being a weirdo, like I'm just like I have a I have unvaccinated children I got to think about. So just well, we'll, you know, we'll be giving out if anybody wants to wear the mask, we get we're giving out. They came from Lodi masks, right? Right. Oh yeah. So that's what I was asking before. So tell me more about. So we have masks at the door. Yeah. We have. We have they came from Lodi masks, not just an ordinary fucking mask. If you that's want amazing. Mask, we got they came from Lodi. You can wear it on your face. I can't take and I can't take any credit for this. This was not my idea. This was John came up with this that idea and put it John. together. I think that's so cool. And uh, I'll definitely be wearing one over my N95 <laughs> mask for sure. And I was going to draw like a like a goofy vampire mouth over my N95 mask just to <laughs> sort of you know uh you know sort of be more inviting than just having the mask on um <laughs> but there's also going to be a raffle as well everybody's going to get i did not i was not aware of this because i'm just really bad with group chats and whatnot what tell me more about the raffle john was telling me about it. um we're gonna so everybody that pays to get in gets a ticket 
and at the end of the night, you're going to be announcing the winner. That's right. I'm going to be announcing the winner. So uh, make sure get, you get like, there. They'll get a Robbie Bloodshot shirt. Um, they'll get a Voice of Doom CDs and shit like that. Awesome. It's going to be cool. It's going to be That's cool. That's awesome. I... I'm definitely going to try and tell some jokes or do something. I got to figure out some sort of. I'm curious to what you're going to. I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just do something. I hope you know it's it's Saturday. No, I mean, I'm going to do something. I'm just going to, like, what do I always do on here? I just do my thing, you know? I'll just do something. Yeah, I'll just talk. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll tell some funny dad jokes, maybe. (laughs) You know? I, yeah. I'll just tell some funny dad jokes and that'll be it. And like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to throw we're in a dad do, joke too. Each band is doing a couple of misfit songs just because, you know, everybody's, everybody there is going to be into the misfits. Yeah. And don't be, don't be angry or surprised if I just jump on stage and sing gang vocals. If I grab a mic and just start singing gang vocals, because it might happen. I'm not saying it's going to. I don't think you could sing gang vocals. I'm in the doorway, though. No, you can't. Okay. <laughs> All right. So fine. Robbie already, he already Jeff proofed it. He put, he picked a song. <laughs> no, I, we're doing, we're doing only uh, keyboard songs. Well, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Jeff? Shut up. <laughs> oh, in the doorway. It won't work. No, we're, we're doing a we're doing a keyboard set in the middle of our regular set, and it'll be misfit songs on keyboards. That's great. That's great. So and like seventy seven style. I know that I know that Voice of Doom has prepared something as well because I think yep. John, the other John, not not John of Doom, Evil Heim, Steen, but uh, John Steele mentioned that to me. Have you ever met John Steele? I have not. Uh... That'll be cool. cool. You will really like him. He is an awesome dude. He, like he came the, on the show. We yeah, had a great that. episode. That was really cool. That, that was, was really cool. cool. I clipped that up. For anybody who didn't see that episode, go check out the John Steele episode. But he was around when Ruben was really influencing what was going on. And boy, he gave me and whoever else was watching some serious insight as to how things changed per Ruben's sort of vision and design. I was glad I was listening and you know, I, you know, I observe everything and anything static age. I was glad he, yeah. um, he pointed out that Glenn also plays guitar on that album and that in the outtakes, you could hear two different guitars stopping. You could hear it specifically in the outtakes. Yeah. Attitude. Did say that. And that, but you, me- you, you confirm that that's true. Yeah. Yeah, you could hear on a uh, static age, especially if you listen with headphones, um, the intro guitar. There's a false start because Jim stops too early. Um, you hear the one guitar end on this end. You hear one guitar end on this end. There would be no reason to have an overdub of a false start. You know what I'm saying? There would be no reason for Frank to go back in, play guitar for a song that is five seconds because it, it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? So Glenn is uncredited second guitarist on Static Age. There is some credits. Um, if you look on YouTube, because they have to pay performance fees for whomever right. plays mechanical what. mechanical royalties. Exactly. There you'll see on some songs he is listed as a guitar player on Static Age the album. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and it would make more sense. And walk among us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But um, so Doyle really only played. I mean, Doyle really truly only played on Earth AD. <laughs> Basically, you could hear too on Walk Among Us that it's Glenn, um, especially comparing compare Walk Among Us to Initium guitar style wise. Like certain chords, it's it's very Glenn as opposed to Doyle. Um, then what about what about the, then what about um, what about Twelve Hits? The, this notion of of Doyle and Bobby being together. You could hear on, on different speakers, Bobby and Doyle. Uh, Doyle's is very um, rudimentary. No, not even rudimentary, but very. He does it very. I will say, I'm not taking away anything from Doyle. He did a great job on Twelve Hits for the guitar. Like I don't think he did a shit job by any means. Um, it's very. Uh, the trebles turned down on his guitar. You, Bobby has that classic like Johnny Thunder's high endy. Very Johnny. Thunders. You know what I'm saying? Like it, you could hear in one speaker as opposed to Doyle's. They're very uniquely different. Um, if you listen, they're really. It's easy to tell with headphones. I used to be able to, um, in my old car, it'd be really easy to turn to right speaker or left speaker. So sometimes right. I would listen to Bobby's side and then sometimes Doyle's side and you it's night and day. So, so that's funny. That's just like, so that's just like, uh, it's just like with the Ramones first album, you can hear bass in one yeah. ear and I, I have no clue why they did that. Though. Why? What I, is the I, point? What is the purpose of this? I don't understand. Not a clue. Not a clue. And you know what? It, that's a really dumb way of doing it, too, because um, I had someone deconstruct uh, Last Caress once, uh, the studio. Like, isolate was. like isolate every yes, single element. Because I wanted to replicate. I can't I can't divulge what you know what it is for. I, but I wanted to replicate a Static Age mix. So I yeah. had this engineer, this guy who was a phenomenal mixer over in Germany. I had him deconstruct the entire mix. How does that work? Explain that to me. How do you how do you deconstruct a mix? Because here's the thing, and maybe I'm thinking about this from a video perspective, and that's why it 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 hurt it it doesn't well, help me wave, to understand. In a stereo wave, you could isolate each side, like each. You could just listen to the left. You could eat, you know, in the right. And there's a way of inverting audio. Where... Wait a minute. Go back. Sorry. Rewind. Hold on. Rewinding Robbie for a second. There's a way when you have a stereo wave. Yeah, tell me visually. You're doing yeah. Do the visual. So here's thing. So here's, a, here's a stereo wave. Here's the left right. side. Here's the right side. Right. You can isolate each side and then listen. Okay. But also, you're able to invert audio with certain DAWs uh, audio, uh, you know, audio uh, recording software. Right. Right. Where you could invert it, and that's how people isolate vocals. So when when you remove the vocals, you could really hear everything musically what's going on so with like last caress there's a couple songs where there's only one guitar and what they do is they send one rhythm to another speaker with a slight reverb so it's it's basically the john lennon faking of double vocals where because it's slightly off the time you know what i mean with the it's like a millisecond off yeah it's called that's double tracking yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Double tracking, you would just do two guitars. You would record one guitar and then you would just record another guitar and it would create a stereo. But if you're on a time restraint or yeah. you just want one rhythm, which really you usually wouldn't, you would fake it by sending it to a different speaker with a slight reverb or slight delay. So it replicates or it gives a false illusion of a stereo image. 
Oh. And that's what a bunch of the songs in Static H have. Last Caress specifically, there's one guitar on that. There's no, it's not two guitars on there, which is weird. You always usually want two rhythms. Right. Um, but yeah, there's right. a bunch of songs like that on Static Age where it's a fake stereo image with one guitar just getting sent to another speaker with a delay. So so if I'm understanding you correctly, it's not two guitars. It's actually four guitars being sort of faked. See, th this is where it gets messy. Uh, like Attitude clearly has two different guitars. Yeah. A song like Last Crest only has one. There's no making heads or tails of it. You know what I mean? So they did different. He did different things for different songs. I guess maybe different studio days. He just didn't overdub. I, I really I wish I knew. You know, I wish there was documentation of this shit, man. I mean, Any, anything, a photo. How could there not be a photo of you know, one photo? No, you know what you would need. You know what you would honestly need. You would need the you need the tapes. Them. No, you need the boxes that the tapes came on. You know, that's the whole point of doing that. You know, you're if you have an engineer, the whole point of having, you know, re keeping records, you know, like they did this with the Beatles. You know, yeah. they have they could tell you you can know. I have the book upstairs. You know exactly, you know exactly what burp was being uttered, you know, on <laughs> at 4 p.m. on March 23rd, 1967, because it just kept meticulous records. Obviously, this is punk rock. It's a little bit different, but, you know, those boxes probably have so much information. And I'm sure there is them, though, because there are the boxes because it was in the at least the track listing or the from the master tapes is in that book um what's that book uh scream with me right oh uh, yeah 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 it's in yes it is in somebody there has those master takes with all of the you know with the stems of each instrument i'm sure yes i think i know who <laughs> <laughs> i think i know who just rotting away uh, yeah. No, not rotten away. Definitely digitally no. preserved, but yes, definitely digitally preserved. But yes, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, yes, that that it does. You know, it's funny too. The whole thing about the baking of the tapes. I think it was said in the comments. Somebody was like, "You're wrong." That about the and I really don't. I really I have to revisit the story because I don't remember what was said in the interview. But the the notion, maybe I have the story wrong, or the notion that when you bake tapes, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to disintegrate. And they made a very good point. If a tape is disintegrating as it's plastic, passing over the playhead, then what's pulling the tape, right? Yeah. The, the well, tape, that the playhead is not powerful enough to pull at the tape as it's disintegrating. Just, it just, needs... Yeah, just because it's baked doesn't mean that it it's going to disintegrate. It no, would it loosens it up. It loosens yeah. it up and keeps it strong for one pass. It would disintegrate if you probably, if you didn't bake it, you know, that's when it would fuck up. If it was, hmm. if you, if it went in like super dried out and shit like that. Right. That's it would, what it is. It it's dried out. Mm -hmm. Have you recorded? You've never recorded on tape. Have you? Uh, yes, but, um, very select things. Like I, I, I never recorded like a full album on tape. Like we've recorded certain tracks and then fed them in digitally um through analog i have a reel to reel that we did that with okay this uh, is if interesting you listen, if you listen to the ending of the song uh end of the line from the album running out of time yeah that's through a reel, reel to reel, reel. yeah oh cool 
So you've had the you've had that experience. That's awesome. Um, yeah. B Mac, B Mac, aka Hot Tub yes, Bra. Hi, Hot Tub Bra. <laughs> this guy's awesome, by the way. For anybody who doesn't know, this guy he called into the show one day, and he just he tells me he just hangs out in a hot tub and he watches the show. He's like, yeah, I just like I like I like watching the show. I'm in the hot tub. I was like, that's fine. Like that's great. You know, he just does his thing. He was sitting in the hot tub when he called into the show. Just wanted to say, hey, what's up? I like listening to the show. I'm in the hot tub. He's Hot Tub Rob. He goes by the name BMAC, Hot Tub Rob. And his friend, his best friend, his name is Bob. It was Bob and Rob. It's really Amazing. funny. But um, he says that there was a guy there on Saturday guy. night who had a box of misfit acetates, and he was trying to get Glenn to verify and sign them. You saw this, Robbie. Yep, I saw the vinyl. He, she, he was showing Steve uh, in the lobby, and I was looking at it. Holy crap. And, okay, you were looking at it, too. The yep. guy told us the story of how he got, how they got from the band to him. Be, do you know the story? No, Robbie? I didn't hear. I didn't hear him say that. All I saw was the actual vinyl. B Mac, you got to break this down for us in the comments, buddy. That's Just let us awesome. know what it is. Tell us, tell us the story. What's the chain of, uh, as they say in, in when you're doing forensics or whatever, the the chain of it has to be a clean chain of custody. What is the chain of custody in in this situation? Now. What's interesting about acetates, we haven't talked about this in a very, very long time. By the way, if you're just joining us for the first time, please make sure to like, share, and most of all, subscribe to this channel. B Max about to break that down for us. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, folks. Acetates are kind of important because Absolutely. you essentially might be, if you get a hold of an acetate, which only can be played six or seven times, like a very short amount of times, because it's not meant to be played. It's meant to be a test, right? And it's usually for like rough mixes, rough like mixes, not, not, yeah, not final stuff. Like usually you would take it home from the studio and be like, all right, what don't I like about this? What can we change? About right. This? It's a test. It's a and one of a kind test, one of a kind with a one of a kind mix. So if you have an acetate that still can play and you can digitize it, you might, ha you have this incredibly rare mix of something that nobody else has. Like you could have something where the vocal is extremely high or there's backing vocals that they decided to take out. Right. Right. You know I mean? Just, just like mind boggling when you think about it. Here's, here's the story. I'm going to, I'm going to go through this real quick. Ready? Because BMAC is doing it. I love this. He's doing it in the comments like all crazy. Ready? Here, He says, here it goes. <laughs> there was a hot girl in the area. They all wanted to hook up with her. <laughs> so they gave her a bunch of crap. What? Apparently she died young. That's really sad. Um, years later, her dad sold them. And this collector said he paid a fortune to go get them but hold on a second how did she i don't understand how did she get them how, how did she how, how did she get them in the first place the band just how could you where do you get acetates how i mean that's something that like where first why would you ever get rid of an acetate you know what i mean well i'll give you here's an example of an acetate situation two examples one one you know about if you're a misfit central nerd when max's kansas city was hopping and popping glenn came to peter crowley actually i'm not sure if anybody really knows this story glenn came to peter crowley who was the booker at max's kansas city um someone who i befriended many years ago i helped him put on some of his max's kansas city reunions about about 10 11 years ago now and 
Glenn came in. Glenn came in, and he I, th I believe he gave them one of the acetates for bullet or for teenagers from Mars or something, and that got put on the Max's Kansas City jukebox. I thought that was a CBGB's jukebox. That was a teenager Static Age uh, single. Pretty sure it was Max's Kansas City. Maybe it was CBGB's. I don't think it was CBGB's though. It, I think it was it was the teenagers from Mars slash Static, and there's a couple. I think there was only five of those, right? Right, and one of them was in. It's a, I'm telling you, it's a Max's Kansas City jukebox. I'm I'm yeah. Uh, you could be right. I could be right. Pretty. I, I think Glenn. Pretty had sure. Those and uh, I know there was a couple collectors who had them, but they're super. I mean, don't get yeah. rare for that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, so you get a you get a hold of of one of these. Acetates in the example of Tank. Now, for those of you guys who don't know Tank, Tank's actually going to be on the show in a few weeks. We're going to, we're scheduling something. Uh, Jim, he's a he's a really really good guy, someone I've known for many years. He's used to be. I mean, he, this guy. The the only reason why people know what they know about all this stuff is because Mark Kennedy cataloged his collection when these two guys got together in Virginia or whatever. Um, so Jim goes way far back. He was more in the Jerry. The Jerry camp of things, we right? The Grimm auctions, right? Yeah. He he went by the name Jonathan Grimm and he had the Grimm collection. And he's gonna be on the show. But he was telling me he told me the story, and maybe he'll tell it again on the air, who knows? Basically, they were they were I forgot where they were. They were trying to open a filing cabinet. Um in George maybe it was in George Germain's house or something, and they opened or maybe it was at Pro Edge, they opened up this the bottom cabinet and there are all these acetates just chilling there there's a uh, where eagles dare <laughs> there's uh teenagers from mars and jerry being the gregarious generous guy that jerry could be you know depending on who you are you know tanks just and and, and forgive me i might be telling the story wrong it's not my story to tell but like i guess tank was you know tank was doing a lot of chores and favors and hanging around he was you know looked up to these guys they were his heroes he was always helping out and doing stuff and so jerry's like ah you know that great gary is ah for the kids you know gives him gives him the <laughs> gives it to him man you know um that record i think was later valued at like 10 grand or something i don't know Fuck today that. i mean now it's priceless i mean you have to think about these collectibles they're priceless dude like harry flanagan many many years ago before he got his whole stabbing thing i used to correspond with harley a bit and he was trying to sell his devastate not it wasn't a devastator base it was just a it was a base that was used to record walk among us it was one of jerry's uh, rickenbacker customized bases you've seen pictures of it probably somewhere online he was yeah. trying to sell it he was trying to figure out how much it was worth and i called up t uh, J uh, jim and i said jim harley flanagan has this base how much is it worth and you know we were he was you know it's so funny to hear jim meticulously pour over the details he's like well he's like it's a it's a model of Rickenbacker that is no longer made. It's customized by the guy in the band, and it was used to record "Walk Among Us." So it's priceless. <laughs> There's no price. Like you can't put a price on something like that. Especially, wait twenty years, when or thirty years or whatever. You know, knock on wood, when everybody's long gone, and and this stuff is really you know as it increases and appreciates as as collectible heirlooms. You know, I mean, look at Johnny Ramone's fucking guitar, man. Million Mile. 
a million dollar guitar that dude wanted to make a million dollars and retire and then he like sold his guitar his guitar sold 20 years after his death he made a million dollars fucking, fucking crazy yeah i want to know like uh alberto says please finish the story did glenn sign the acetates i'm pretty sure the, the acetate glenn had the acetates like oh, he gave it to him, and he and Glenn just walked off with it or something. I'm I'm pretty sure he had him because he had to give it to someone to sign for him. Oh, 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 sure. oh, oh! I'm I'm ninety five percent sure that's what. I'm very curious to know. As a matter of fact, there is a guy who could answer these questions for us. Um, if he's I don't know if he's still in the chat. Let's see if he is available. Is um is paging Christopher? Christopher, are you there? If you are, please answer. We would like to know some questions. I'll send you a link. Maybe you can answer. Um, I'd be very curious to know. Yeah, very, they, they very. Had a, he had like a, they had, he had them in a, like a box of sorts, like a steel kind of like box. Really? That's yeah. crazy. Hold on one second here. Let's see. Let's, let's ask this dude real quick. Um, I'm I'm sending you this. Boom. I just sent I just sent out a link. Let's see. Oh, he says he doesn't know. I'll ask him. Um. Here, Umberto is in the chat. He says, "I actually." Oh yes, Umberto with the fucking solid dude. This is awesome. Umberto says, I actually helped this guy purchase the acetates. The acetates were from Kate in New Jersey. Where she got them is up for debate. She passed away and her husband sold them to Lou in New Jersey. Okay, Umberto, what are the acetates? Dude, Umberto in the fucking clutch, man. When we were, you know, for those of you who don't know, Umberto has one of the most impressive misfits samhain danzig collections out there really misfits centric stuff and his collection is photographed in the book scream with me it's a wonderful book with incredible incredible photographs in it featuring umberto's collection <laughs> yeah b max says wait where did it go oh crap b max says wow umberto for the win <laughs> oh he's gonna send us pics He's gonna send us pigs. Um, that's great. Don't you love it when? Don't you love it when that gets figured out, or that's when cool. that gets solved? Um, that is that's an interesting detail. So, what is your what's going through your mind when you're standing there while they're no, picking through? I, all I thought was, how the hell did this guy get them to here, and then safely bring it out after? Because I, I assume he had to have been at the show. It would stash them in. I would even be nervous with them in the car. You know what right. I mean? Right. What did you I, say? They were in a steel what? They looked like a like in a box, like a little box. Huh. Because I mean, you wouldn't just carry that around. Or God forbid, you you know something happens. Did you see what Glenn? What, what was Glenn's reaction when? I when, didn't see Glenn see it. I didn't. Oh, you didn't see Glenn see it. Hmm. That is interesting, man. That is really, really something. I'll tell you what. Um, what else can, what else can you tell me from, from the evening? Anything else we're missing here? Any other details? No, we were, I went to the after party afterwards and, uh, Oh, you went to the after party. 
Yeah, it was, it was a very fun time. That's where I met uh, Chris. I met right. him briefly. Um, right. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Glenn was in a great mood, super nice guy. Um, everybody was having a fun time. I, uh, it was funny. Uh, Steve introduced me to a guy named Jerry. So I'm like, Hey, you know, how you doing? They were talking for a couple minutes and I walked away and then Chris Morantz, he's like, Oh, that was Jerry Cantrell. I was like, what? Jerry Cantrell. Oh. <laughs> well, he had like skull makeup on. He had a, like a Halloween costume. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't notice him at first and I'm like, Jerry Cantrell, what the fuck? That's so you cool. Know? I would say, no, it was, it was a fun time. Um, that is so cool man um yeah i'll never forget at the danzig legacy shows i'll be honest i didn't know who randy blythe was from lamb of god i didn't know who he was i just saw him get up stage and he sang backing vocals on mother of mercy maybe and i think no he did all hell with them right well in chicago whatever he played did in chicago with that i was at chicago as well and I got. I was backstage with Charlie Fitz, aka Chanzig. Shout out to Charlie Lone Wolf, my buddy, and uh, Bob Bob O'Rourke, the biggest Metallica fan of all time. We actually, the three of us, all met at the Congress Theater at a Danzig show in two thousand eight. It's amazing who you will meet if you go to a show by yourself. You will meet people, man. <laughs> you will meet people, and it will be really freaking cool. Oh, we have somebody pop in the back. But what I was saying about. What I was saying, hold on one second, Chris. What I was saying about Randy was that I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was the lead singer of Lamb of God. I, but I was just like, oh, hey, man, good job with those vocals. And he was <laughs> like, yeah, great. I just, you know, just casually. I wasn't, it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't about like anything at all. But it's just funny how like you just don't realize. Yeah, you, you don't people realize. People are just dudes. People are just dudes, you know. Um, hold on. We're going to bring, let's bring Chris in because Chris was also there. He saw a lot of stuff. Hey, buddy. Hey, it's been feels like it's been forever, dude. What's going how on, do Robbie? I sound? How, how do I sound, Chris? You sound great because I you my microphone is back. You, is that okay? No, but I you, will always tell you if you don't sound good. Yeah, I see that it looks good. No, but don't I it sound much good. better? I sound better yes, than I normally sound. That's my. You point. are Dolby. Yes. Okay. You guys talk while I pull up these photos that Umberto is getting for me right now. So, so oh, awesome. Chris, t uh, fill us in on something or other. Hold on one second. Let me <laughs> fill, us, fill you in on something or other. Did you see well, the I didn't see him, but you got to remember when I go to, when I go to the show, I don't pay attention to shit. If you don't have tits, I ain't looking. I don't care. It's either that or it's me and Glenn doing whatever. So did, I miss. Did you have I any miss dogs? a lot of shit. I had one the first night and one the second night, and that's it. That's all I was gonna touch. That's a lot. We're upstairs in the fucking suite, and Glenn's like, "You know you want to donate? It. No, I don't. You know you want to? No, I don't." Then he starts throwing them. Leave me the fuck alone. I don't want another donut. He he likes to do that shit. That's funny. They, they were good. I mean, they were good, but you you can't eat more than one of those. You don't need to eat more than no, one. No, I could you know eat all the donuts. More? Dude, Russ. Fucking dangerous. Yeah, dude. <laughs> You'll be in a fucking donut coma after. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. No. no it's no. not good for you. Jeff, you find me. 
I'm dying. To I'm, see I'm looking. Pictures, man. I know. I'm. I'm looking for them yeah, right now. Come on. Keep, keep it. Now keep, I want to see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it, but I can't. You guys, guys, I can't. I need you guys to. I don't want any dead air. We we don't have dead oh, air well, on the show. Well, if you would stop talking, we'd continue. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, you guys! I'm looking at them right now. I'm looking at them right now. This is fucking insane. All right, hold on. A big. I just want to say. I just want to say a big shout out to Umberto for like like showing this shit like this is fucking awesome hold on one second pulling them up pulling them up i gotta be my own jamie pulling shit up hold on oh why are they so small hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on a second hold on a second i said hold your horses uh chris give us some come on chris give us some uh uh some observations from the show Whoa. what did you like about it what were your highlights come on give us some stuff well, if you'd stop talking, I would. Um, it was well. First of all, Sunday night was way mellow. All the hardcore fans we thought were going to be on Sunday, Glenn was expected to be really crazy Sunday because it was the first night to go on sale. Quiet, relaxed. Yeah. It, of course, it was. It, yeah, it was more reserved because those are the people they could afford to throw down four hundred dollars a ticket first. See, like the Saturday night. I mean. Even when you could barely hear Glenn talking because everybody was screaming the entire yeah. time. You know, so that's Sunday was Saturday. I mean, that's Sunday, Sunday was low key, like oh, way wow. low key. Oh wow, this um, is interesting. After party was quiet. Really? You know, we just had a few people. Yeah, we, well, there wasn't supposed to be no thirty people up there the first night in the first place. <laughs> so that was rectified. So Sunday was Sunday was cool, dude. Sunday was like. 10, 12 people laid back, and we were there. I didn't get Glenn home until 3 o'clock in the morning. We were just hanging out, having a great time. Josh Burnett, if you know who he yeah, is, yeah, the MMA him, guy. Yeah. Yeah, Josh was there hanging out. We were just, it, it was it was good. Man, that was Craig, a dangerous Craig, way to Craig exit. It. it was a dangerous exit to that, uh, to that rooftop. There's fucking only one exit. <laughs> I mean, what if there was a fire? Yes. <laughs> you know what? Rappel. All right, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I got all right. I there's a little bit of controversy here. Little bit of controversy. I have questions. I am very this is some seriously nerdy shit. Everybody put on okay. your nerd. Everybody put on your nerd hats uh -oh. for a minute. Oh god. Uh oh. It's about to get fucking nerdy as fuck up in here. Hold on. Ready? Let me find no. how do I share shit on my screen? Here we go. All right, let's see. Does is this gonna work for my whims, or not? Let's see what happens. Boom! There we go. Can you guys see that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let me. This is not giving me a good layout option. That's though. the one that says Halloween three. Exactly. Now so I have seen these, three? bro. I have seen these on eBay. Okay. I have definitely seen these on eBay. This says Halloween three. And let me tell you something. Um, I always thought, I always thought that this was shenanigans. I always thought, how could this be? It says Halloween, Halloween three. No, it says Halloween two, Halloween three. Here, there's another picture. Halloween two and Halloween three reference disc. What the fuck is Halloween three? I want. I mean, it says instrumental, but what? Which song is it instrumental? So, and then, and then, here's who killed Marilyn. 
Misfits reference disc. Holy crap. So you have Halloween 2, Halloween 3 instrumental, and reference disc. I, I have questions, man. I have I questions. I hope it's digitized, whoever has it. I, I don't think... Uh, see, I, I've always... So back in the days of of lawless Napsterdom, Halloween 3 was, was always... You'd always see that. That's not a real song. There is no Halloween 3. At least none that anybody is ever aware of. I've never heard anybody confirm that Halloween 3 is anything. Yeah. Now I got to ask him. Now, yeah, now, now you I want to know. You got to ask him. Hold on. Sorry. I'm pulling you guys off this At thing. the right time, if I want an answer. <laughs> I'm so... I, I, I am I absolutely just call him baffled. Because he won't tell me. <laughs> it has to be a natural... I have to almost kind of like go, hey, what's that? By the way, that, 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 that. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And he'll tell me. If I ask him, so, the acetate, blah, 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 Halloween 3. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. He says, Steve, <laughs> Alberto says, Steve Zing, didn't he confirm once, did never came out? I don't know, man. I don't know. I've I've never known there to be a Halloween 3. Well, it says. Well, not everything. Interesting. Well, not everything on the box set. I mean, or let me rephrase that. What's on the box set is not absolutely everything. So That's right. That, yeah, that blows know, my mind. That's, that's a Caroline Records question because they have that stuff. We know that, Harpies, Harpies was recorded during that session. So. Yeah, that, that, blows, that blows my mind that there, that there was. Wait, you're talking about the Cough Cool session, Ravi? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Manny confirmed that there's Harpies. He sure Nitro. did. He sure did. But, but, and that is completely, that is lost to time. You will never see there that doesn't exist. It's gone. I don't believe that though. I don't believe it. It's gone. I tapes, tapes, det tapes deteriorate. But the thing is, like, because I mean, I've I've narrated over this before. How uh, on collection two, Len had the Cough Cool master tapes because even if you go on YouTube, the official uh, listed Manny is the drummer on that Cough Cool from collection two, but eerie overdubs. So the original, you know, stems from it. The original tapes from it existed. So well, know, as late as eighty six or eighty seven, they existed. Yeah. So, I, but the thing is, I don't think those. I mean, because he handed them to. I mean, I know he didn't probably he didn't hand or everything to Caroline, but they did it even as late as eighty seven. Ten years later, existed. So I can't imagine. You know what I'm saying? Yes, um, Umberto is Umberto is confirming here right now. It's from the pit rehearsal recording session, and it's Queen Wasp is Halloween three. What? So some fucker. It's a, this is a boot, or this is not real. Some 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 motherfucker, like you know, did something where they you know pressed up. I don't think this is real. I, it just can't be real. It's not real. Why? Because because the pit okay so for anybody who doesn't know the pit rehearsal recording was made by Dave Scott of Adrenaline OD who came to a practice and was interviewing the band and had pulled out a tape recorder that recording is like the only document of a Misfits rehearsal that's circulated where it shows 
the band working out songs like Queen Wasp. They play Die Die My Darling, yada yada yada. I don't know what else is on there. Uh, it's you know Googie's in the band at the time, and that tape was you know they put that on vinyl and stuff. So I don't think, and I'd love to hear what Umberto has to say. But from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's that's bunk. Dude. Always it's say, not real. They always say too those spot uh, the that rehearsal session was a demo. It's not a demo. It's not a it's demo. A practice. It's just a practice, dude. It was. I have the whole story that it was recorded. It was recorded with a tape recorder haphazardly yeah. at a rehearsal at Jerry's house. That's it. It's not nothing. It's I nothing. I know. Um, I I just love that. I but I. It's so funny when people. A lot of people like to confuse demos. You know yeah, that yeah, everything is a demo. There's like no, no. It's not true. None of that stuff is. You know. Here, Umberto says it is suspect, which is why he wanted Glenn to confirm them. Did you, Chris, now here's what, when, if those were taken back for Glenn to sign, do you remember seeing Glenn sign these or Glenn reacting to anything that he was signing? He didn't sign shit. Huh. Huh. He was, Glenn was in, I'm done for the day mode. Right. So. Okay. There was no, there was no signing. Okay. And if he did, if he, I'll throw this out. If he did, okay, after the show, Glenn goes up, you know, wherever we're at, he's going to go take a shower. Like all the guys are going to go shower and put some clothes on. No one else goes up. You, you know, they're doing their thing. So if he did take them up and sign them, it was before we all went up. Hmm. By the way, just to clarify, BMAC says Collection 2 was 1995. Again, to put, put on our nerd caps for a minute. Although so that, collection... means Cough, that means Cough Cool was... had They had the tracks for Cough Cool by 95. No, they didn't because they used Eerie Vaughn's 7-inch for the box set, which no, no, came no, no, out... No, 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 not That's not on Collection 2. What? Eerie Vaughn's copy. Cough. No, but that's oh. what I mean, is that they didn't have... No, Caroline no, had not, no access... The collection two is not yeah. the original rip of Cough Cool. Yeah, but what I'm saying, I know it's 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 overdubbed with Eerie. That was when Glenn and Eerie were recording stuff, but that dates back to the to the to the eighties. It just didn't come out until nineteen ninety five. So as far as you're concerned, based on what you just said, this is some nerdy shit right now. Based on what you said, that would mean that the last time that those tapes were around was the the mid to late 80s yeah but um by that time is when i mean we don't we we don't consider it digital today but it was analog digital by that point okay so that means it could have been so that it might have been on like a dat or exactly something. interesting okay. you very, know what i'm saying very interesting it's weird. It's weird to think that he overdubbed drums. Don't you? You never over overdubbing drums no, is a weird no, thing, make, right? I just hope it wasn't the original tracks. It might have been. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why maybe the box set doesn't have a cleaned up version because all those other songs on the on the box set are cleaned up like but that. That's but the that's what I'm trying to tell you is the box set version is from Erie Vaughn's personal vinyl copy. I, I know that, but that's the original version that's the intent. right so that means that someone does have the uh 
raw takes, the raw tracks. Listen, bottom line, yes, you might be right. The raw tracks might exist in some digital form. Bottom line, if we have if we have the fact that stuff like marble index has surfaced and stuff like that, you have to have faith that somewhere out there, the studio version of harpies in the night might still exist. It's just amazing to me that no interviewer has thought to ask Glenn in any kind of interview in any kind of way in 30 something years of interviews, dude, were there any other songs recorded during the cough cool sessions? And do you know what would, you know what he would say? He would just be like, I don't know. Or no. Yeah, no. <laughs> so just, that's what you got to understand is, is how, how that works. You can't, if you ask him flat out, if I go, if I go in a straight line, can I get this? I don't know. You have to ask him a roundabout question to get the answer you want. Right. Here's an example. Here's an here's an example I gave. You know, I don't I don't answer questions that I'm not I'm not supposed to answer. Right. I'll give you this example of general how things work. If I want Chinese food for lunch, I will go over and say, "Oh my God, I'm so tired of Chinese food right now. I had it last night for dinner. I ate the rest of it for breakfast. I'm just done." And then my answer will, that I'll get is, hey, well, let's go ahead and order some food. You know what? I want Chinese. <laughs> then I get my Chinese. It's just it's all works. about reverse yeah, psychology. Reverse psychology. Mm -hmm. Al Alberto's asking, okay, Umberto. Umberto, Alberto wants to know. See how that works? The Al and the mm, <laughs> The Al and the mm. uh, He's He's dying to know if A, how much did this guy pay for these tapes? And B... Uh, he wants to know more about this girl, Kate, and who she is. We do know that she has <laughs> passed away. Kate has passed away, so she's no longer with us. But if Umberto is out there, could you please uh, verify? Yes, the box set of Cough Cool is from a 7-inch. Yes, we know this. That We were just talking about that. Um, so, you know, that we these are mysteries. There's always mysteries to be solved and unsolved, left unsolved in, in, in this realm. Um, Chris, what other minutia do you have for us? Is there any other minutia from Danzig Sings Elvis? Was, what, what, how were the shows received from the band? Is the band was stoked about how the audience was receiving the show and they, whatnot. They loved it. They loved it. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a Jesse quote. I've been a fan of Jesse's for like five or six years. Hmm. Actually, longer than that. Since Halloween two, since Rob Zombie's Halloween two. So, who was he in? Who was he in that? Years. Who was he in that? Um, he he was the band Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures. Oh, oh, right. Yes, you told me. Captain this. Clegg yes, yes, yes. is is the British bird because you right. Just Hammer to clarify horror. for you, yeah. And Night Creatures is the American title for that same movie. Right. So. Right, which has um, yeah, Robbie. That has Robbie. That. that has the Fourth oh. Horseman. Oh, okay. Four hosts. Yeah. Yes, that's where that comes from. Also, just FYI, he's also Banjo and Sullivan from Devil's Rejects. Remember, they had a, they came out with a CD of Banjo and Sullivan's greatest hits to tie in with the movie. Remember the mm. band that was in Devil's Rejects, the old man and Brian yeah, yeah, Hussein yeah, 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 yeah. and all that shit. Right. Well, right, right. Jesse Dayton was Banjo and Sullivan the CD. 
Gotcha, gotcha. He yeah, really he not, that's who he is. He, he was he was great guitar I mean, player. I I I said this before. You know, Tommy Victor is great for metal stuff and whatnot, but this guy, I think he was exactly what was needed for that. Exactly. Night. Jesse has the presence. He has he has the playing style. Like he he was out there. You needed that sort of that rockabilly feel, like someone to get out there and play guitar in that style and hold the stage in that way. And he he's a front man. He does it. Tommy doesn't do that. And Tommy's a great guitar player, but he definitely doesn't bring anything to the show as far as presence is concerned. If you know what I mean, I don't mean that derogatory. No. Um, So yeah, Jesse's fantastic. He does his role. You know, and the piano player. It's kind of like um. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Jesse said this after the show. If you want to do epic shit, you got to do stuff with epic people. You can't be epic with a bunch of mediocre motherfuckers. I I could I could feel that. Ask Chris: Is Glenn considering doing more shows and possibly maybe some East Coast states, New he York does. City, New Jersey, yada yada yada. It's not it's not a question of wanting to do more shows. Like he's obviously he's down to do more. We just cannot find venues mm. what he wants. We need old venues that have that feel and we can't King's find them. Theater. And they also have to see it enough. King's but Theater. There's a there's a problem with East Coast. Getting there. Yeah. It's too expensive to fly now, and it doesn't make sense money-wise. And that's the same thing with Death Rider. We need 400 seats. We can't get 400-seat theaters. That's holding us up. 400 mm-hmm. minimum, maybe 350. We're not getting those. We're getting 110, 120 seats. Not enough. Not worth it. Hmm. You know me, Jeff. Money is always fucking first. <laughs> yeah. Money is before art. And I'm an artist. I so I vehemently disagree with that notion, but yes, and I that's do why your ass is poor. <laughs> we need to do this all poor. day long. I'm unemployed. I love you. I'm unemployed. But... <laughs> I'm unemployed. Damn it! It's always about um, money first. But yeah, that's why. So yes, to answer the question without being Jeff fucking around, yes. Um, there may be more shows, want to do more shows. It's finding the venues that could house the type of show that this needs to go in. And that is a problem. Right. I'd imagine it would mostly have to be hotel rooms, like ballrooms like that. I mean, it's not. You well, know what I mean? Absolutely. The thing, um, why this was so easy, obviously, because, you know, it's the Roosevelt Hotel yeah. has like the whole thing yeah, yeah, the whole built into it. So. He, let's put it this way: He's not going to want to do it in the Sheraton. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, absolutely. and so yeah, because I've been looking around Phoenix, and I've been calling everybody I know that's that's actually lived there and actually seen Phoenix since I don't leave my house, and nothing. It's crazy. So it's you know he wants an old building. Hmm. So sense. he can think of an old building, throw it at me, and. I'll see if the numbers make sense. But it's got to be an old place. It can't be anything modern. Or he won't. It doesn't matter if they have the greatest Art Deco ballroom ever. He ain't going to think about it. I'm glad he held on to those lights. What'd you think of the lights, Robbie? Oh, those were phenomenal. I saw we were, um, when we were at In N Out Burger, 
uh, with yeah. Bruce in his car taking like one by one when he was looking to get a, a burger and he was taking them one by one fucking driving it down. Wow. I, I guess he couldn't get them all in one car. <laughs> but, an, uh, oh. Parmy likes your, your music, Robbie. Thank you, Parmy. I appreciate that. Um, Ballad asked, do you think Glenn will do some shows in the South potentially, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma? We know that's where Ballad is, is uh, based in Everybody uh, wants well, a show, I, man. I get it. I get it. Everybody wants a show. I would, I would too, man. I would too. Same thing, Ballad A. If you could think of any theaters that have that vibe and they're old, either theaters or old hotels, anything that was built in the 20s through the 40s, then hit me up and let me know. Texas is especially a possibility. So hit me up. The Chance Theater. I'm telling you, man. The um, you know what's really great? The King's Theater in Brooklyn is an old timey, just a gorgeous theater. Google that. Anybody out there, Google that. It's friggin' phenom. Truly, truly, truly phenomenal. I really. David Jackson saying the. Everybody's coming up trying to troubleshoot where they should go, <laughs> where it should do next. You know, I, I listen, I don't know if Chris will confirm this or not. He probably won't, and I won't press him for it. But I only hope, I only hope that it was recorded for some sort of posterity. I hope that the recording, oh, Chris says it's not recorded. Damn. Because I got to tell you. It'll only ever be a live show. Because mm, I got to tell you something. I can just imagine if it's, if it's as good as everybody's saying to hear them, to hear him do it live. Because, you know. A lot of people, there's a lot of people who are hating on that Danzig Sings Elvis record. They go, oh, well, he did that over, you know, a several year period, uh, you know, at different times, you know, when his voice was in different uh, sort of, you know, um, conditions. And it's not like he just recorded that all in once and then released it in 2020, blah, 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 blah. And he's doing it in the studio. I think doing it live puts all that to sort of rest. Would you agree, Robbie, in that uh, level? I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes it special. I know that sounds kind of inclusive, you know, like elitist, like, but it makes it special that we saw the show and that's it. You know what I mean? No, but I just mean the caliber No, no, absolutely. It the makes voice. Sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense. The yeah. caliber, let's put it this way. I've been in the studio with him doing the songs, you know, when I was like, bitching, moaning, and complaining that I wanted C.C. Ryder, and he did it for me. And then he doesn't put it on the record, I think specifically because he knows how much I wanted it. <laughs> but then I moved to Arizona, and I've been gone for two years. So I got C.C. Ryder live. <laughs> I think that all ties it together because I know him so well. Um, but I've heard, So I've heard all that. I don't like Elvis. I'm not an Elvis person. I'm a Beatles guy. I don't like Elvis, and I barely respect That's him. He's an entertainer, not a musician. I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I would have imagined that Chris was an Elvis guy and not a Beatles guy. And when he said that he was a Beatles guy, it really did make me warm up to him significantly because I, I got to tell you. <laughs> no, I'm super serious, though. Like, you know, when, when you hear there's so many people out there that are they're like it's like so popular to Beatles. to hate the Beatles, oh, the Beatles, the Beatles, they're just drinking. It's like shut the fuck up. Let me ask you a question. I've never, I've never heard that. Oh so my god, it's so. Oh, it's prevalent well, too. Because 
I don't listen to people, and people don't have to tell me shit that I don't like because they think that I'm mean. I'm gonna beat them up. It's like, dude, I'm fifty. I don't, I don't do that shit anymore. <laughs> Steve, Steve is in the Steve is in the chat right now. He says, "Ask Chris about the great dinner Glenn took us for." Um, Steve, do you want to just pop in and just say hello real quick? You should. If you're if you're here, we'd love to ask you some questions, Steve. I don't know if Steve, hey, Steve will do it. I don't want to put him on the spot. We'll, we'll tell him together because I, that dinner. Yeah, the dinner was, and I don't know because you know we go we go to dinner a lot, but that dinner was, and I think it's because the excitement for the show and everything else, but it was so good. It was so freaking good. I don't know. Is Steve going to pop on? Because if not, then I'll know. continue to tell the story. Keep if telling not, the story. I'll, hold on. Hold on. I'll wait. No, um, Steve, no, no. Keep telling the story. Keep telling the we story. Went to our, we went to our favorite restaurant and um, yeah. Japanese yakitori. So we always go. We get, you know, skewers and all that. Everybody orders. It was um, basically it was the band and Dougie and Gypsy and myself. Um, don't think I'm forgetting anybody. And, um, no, we just, we went, they, they always make us a table. They've known Glenn for like, since like the nineties. So, um, we just, we go and we, everybody can order whatever they want. You know, on top of that, Glenn will say, Hey, do you feel like this? You feel like that? And he'll, um, tell you what it is if you don't know, and he'll break it all down in Japanese and then in English. <laughs> So it's not, dinner is always not just dinner. Dinner is also Japanese lessons. Is he? Every he's a real time. foodie. He's a foodie. He's no. I wouldn't say he's a foodie. He he's he's a Japanese enthusiast. Gotcha. He's an Asian enthusiast. Gotcha. Um, so he'll break it all down. Plus, when you've been going there for thirty years, like you know the menu like nobody's business. <laughs> so he breaks it all down, and you know we just they start bringing the food, and we just. We go at it, and it's so, so good. Steve almost oh didn't make gosh. that dinner because we were we were, really? at, we were at Venice Beach, and <laughs> I, I, we were I've never, never dealt with this in my life. We tried for almost two. Wait, hours. wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is really weird. This is super weird. Uh, does anybody enter into Guns and Roses? Besides me. Yeah, you big Guns N' Roses fan? I don't know if you realize You that. know this. I'm a you like huge Axel? Guns N' Roses fan. You fan of yes. Axel? Holy shit. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his music, oh. and I'm a fan of him as a person now. There he is. <laughs> Wait, hold on it's a like second. It's like I get to see him like every day now. <laughs> hold on, I got I to gotta find a good... Let me take off the, the banner, because I can't, <laughs> can't see anybody. Hold on. All right. Hey, Steve, what's going on, buddy? What's up? I'm sitting in my chair. Tell us about the tell us about the dinner, Steve. For some reason I can't hear you. I gotta figure out how to put this on. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. I'm I'm gonna turn this off. There we go. I think that's better. Yeah. Considering considering the situation. We got the we got the, the drummer of the performance in the house. We got Axel Rose. Did not know. That's me. <laughs> Axel. Man. <laughs> You do not look like your pictures. I am I am shocked. <laughs> I'm sitting in the massage chair, sorry. That's okay. Everybody needs a good massage from time to time. Yeah. So yeah, the dinner was great. And you got a lesson we, in Japanese. Just, uh, 
Japanese. Uh, what, what, what is what is that called, Chris? The uh, yakitori. That's it. Yes. What is yes. yakitori? Oh, unbelievable. Ske- basically, stuff on skewers. That's how it's grilled open flame on skewers. A lot of bite-sized stuff. Everything comes in like if you order the, the chicken meatballs, you'll get three little meatballs on a skewer, and it's so good. Oh, and we won't eat till we burst. There's an octopus version of that, right? Yeah. We there is, but we don't order a whole lot of seafood. Gotcha. But there is. I was saying before, um, I said Steve almost missed the freaking dinner because we couldn't get an Uber for about two hours. What? I've never. This is, a city. <laughs> this is how is Los Angeles a city, and you can't get a fucking Uber? I, I mean, because was, everybody takes an Uber. Yeah, but it was insane. We, I mean, we tried so many times, and eventually, I tried so many times that my credit card got put on hold because. It thought that I was trying to make like five hundred dollars worth of Ubers because it kept canceled, and I got a call from the credit card company saying, "Oh, uh, you know, your it looks like suspicious activity." It's, uh, I've, I've never, and then eventually, we did get an Uber, but there was uh, four of us, so we, we had to ask the poor girl, we're "Like, can we, can we all squeeze in here?" Oh, it's like a Lord clown car. Well, I tipped her well. <laughs> Did well. Um, Adam Adam Ballad of the Broken says this is the best live stream ever. He just wants There's us a to snare know drum that. head. Whoa. Oh, very cool. Look yeah. at that so thing. I asked it to sign it because I was going to originally raffle this off for um, for charity. Yeah. And um, I was supposed to do this charity event um, with more noise at Dingbats for Black Friday, but it's not happening. But anyway, um, so I asked Glenn to sign it, but it says this. <laughs> Steve, love you, Glenn did. <laughs> I get, Steve, I gave, awesome. I gave you the fix. What's I gave that? you the fix. I gave you the fix for that. <laughs> yes, I know. Little white, strip, white out strip. <laughs> but I, what, no wait, 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 wait. How, do you fix, how do you fix it? You just put white out on it? I told him to just take just put some white out on it. Oh yeah. But specifically the, the strip right. tape white out. And then just say, hey, this is show used. Well, I <laughs> it was it was easier to write it on the snare head and with all my notes on different the different songs like C I for guitar, which is counting for guitar and wow. stuff like that. Because I can't see the That's cool. on the floor. So wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let me just let me just understand this to make sure I'm understanding, Steve. So you wrote the set list on the drum head yeah. so that you could see it better. And you also made the coolest collectible of all time because you turned the drum head or whatever it is into a set list that's also signed and written by you and has all the changes for the show. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that that will be a great uh, charity auction thing. Like I use these like drumstick rods on some songs. Yeah. So, like on here, you could see it says rods. Wow. Um, rod and stick. You know, it all depends on the song. But it was a lot of fun. Um, as Chris was saying, you know, uh, Glenn doesn't want new theaters. He wants old. It's not even theaters. It's it's like old rooms that they huh. used to have, and you can't find them. They really don't exist. Um, it's not theaters. 
It's not a, this is not a theatrical event. This is a ballroom event. Wow. So absolutely very well put. Not easy to do, but you know, Chris knows it was a lot of fun. It was hectic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Alberto is asking you, Steve, what, how long did it take you to learn all these songs? Well, we only had two days of rehearsal. Oh, my lord! <laughs> it was put up or shut up for these guys. Wow. Uh, let me ask you this. I, I'm curious to know this. So what? What in the hell? Because here's the thing. This is very sort of stripped down per- percussion. How do you? How do you approach that, Steve? Like the stripped down percussion sort of thing. Like how do you approach a song like Pocketful of Rainbows or Fever? Right. Fever is really, really. Well, that, well that stuff is easy. That's the easy stuff. It was the other stuff that really had no drums in it huh. that we actually added stuff, you know, to kind of fill it out in some ways. Right. Because in a live setting, it's going to be different than, say, on the record, like you need a little bit. Yeah. Huh. Huh. So. That is interesting. And did you. Enjoy the voodoo. Are you a voodoo donut fan or not? That's not really your bag. I only had one. Ah. <laughs> See? Let me they're, tell you. I would put you all good. the shame. They're too good. I bet. Which, I, wait, I which really one did bet. you have, Steve? I had the devil doll, I think it was. Okay. I stuck ah, to the um, the chocolate donut with the pentagram. I forgot what it's called. No, I didn't do that one. Right. I did the devil I doll. I kept simple. And, um, Glenn's favorite was the mango tango. It was a mango yeah. donut. I don't know. I didn't taste it, but uh, that I sounds like it. heaven there to was me. A great and of course, too, and I was like, no. Saturday night, I was a little bit. Glenn fe- fed me too much sake, and yet, <laughs> yes, Glenn loves that sake. So Saturday, because you know, I was with Danny Inks. I had Wait, probably about six. Who, who is this person? Um, she's a friend. Of, she's a friend of ours. She um she's a waitress over at the uh, at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Gotcha. So I had like gotcha. six glasses of rum, and then a couple of sakis. But I can drink, so it wasn't a thing. Was that Friday but night after dinner? That, no, that was Saturday. I was Saturday at the party, and you know on the show. And so Russ, Russ thought I was drunk. He's like, Chris is lit. So Sunday, I drank one drink, and that was it. And I had those waters all night. Russ kept coming up to me and grabbing the can of water and looking at it. What is this? It's water. And he'd, he'd read it. Okay. Come back half hour later. What are you drinking? Still water? <laughs> Did he read it? Oh, okay. You're taking good at home, right? <laughs> Basically, yes, because yeah, I don't know. Drank. He thought it was drunk Saturday. Yeah, he should have drank I, water. I woke up Sunday morning around nine o'clock, and I'm like, the he- my my head was still spinning. I'm like, I gotta get some breakfast. I, I went downstairs, oh, the restaurant, and I I'm like, I'm still fucking drunk. I'm like, I'm, I was hurting. I t- but so London. London was very kind to loan me his drums and be my tech, and but London brought me these electrolyte additive things to add to water to kind of help me. <laughs> really? Yes. That's how I got through. London. The um. 
Because London is the sweetest person in the world. My God, I love him because he will he will take care of you. Doesn't matter. He's there. I gotta um, just tell like you, Steve. I really like his new band. I picked up that seven inch as a Christian Death fan. No he's idea. in he's in a band. It's the dudes from well Rick Agnew from Adolescence and Di and Christian Death and James McGreedy also from Christian Death. Oh, the original I, lineup. I, I have no idea. <laughs> well, it's you should check it out. It's really great. It's, it's like uh, de California death rock, you know, in inspired. They're called Symbolism. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That oh, that band. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's so many. Um, I will one last shout out for London, really quick. My drum hit that I got signed by by the band. London brought me that drum hit. Oh, so that was very well, kind of him to this do. This was London's drum hit from his drum saw. I, I sent him via Amazon a new snare drum he had so he could replace his drum. But again, I, what would what would have been auctioned off can't you know will now hang up on the wall. <laughs> oh, what a shame! What a shame! Yeah. What a bummer! What a, what, a, what a bad predicament! That tricky Glenn writing your name on that. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm being asked to ask Steve, what was Glenn giving you shit about on stage? Giving you shit about on stage? Or was he giving me was shit? He, break, about he was breaking no. your was he breaking your balls? It's because some girl said I love dick, and then she's <laughs> he said, oh, you can see Steve after the show. <laughs> oh, shots fired! Shots fired! That's the question. Oh. Ooh. Oh God! He zinged it. He zinged it. <laughs> He's my buddy. The hey, you know. The, listen, you Jersey, all you Jersey guys, all you do is break balls. That's what you do. It's just a ball about the ball breaking, Bergen County ball busting, the, the triple B. That's what it is. It goes, That's right. You know. Hey Steve, do you, Steve, do you think you could tell the Russ story and do it justice? Which one? The the steak story. The what? From dinner. The steak story from dinner. Oh. Where Russ was choking on the steak. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not Russ, Dougie, Dougie, Dougie. Dougie. <laughs> Dougie. of Glenn's breaking balls. Dougie was choking on steak, and but Glenn was eating steak, and, and but Glenn didn't want to stop eating, so he just looked over at somebody and says, I think he's choking and dying. Somebody should go help him. <laughs> oh my God! Still I eating. Was crying. <laughs> we were, it was so good. Like he didn't get up. He didn't freak out. He's just like, hey, by the way. Wow. He's was... probably on his phone looking for a backup tour manager just in case. <laughs> What's that, Steve? Ooh, let's see the shirts. Let's see. <sighs> Yeah, you turn it. No, go back to the horizontal. That's good. The the vertical. Oh, look at that. Danzig sings Elvis, 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 Elvis. I like it. Yeah. That's nice. I like that font. Fits with the whole old 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 school style. You know what I mean? Chris, the and they still screwed up my order. Still? Yep. What do you need still? I don't know. I got I. I have a triple X. <laughs> I have 
I don't. Uh, I don't. I'll. I'll call you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll make you fuck it up. Oh my, but then, oh my god. Glenn gave me a whole bag of misfit stuff here. A, oh, Steve's busting out the goodies. Another, Let's see. The sweatshirt. Sweatshirt. What the hell? Oh, this size is the is? this is the original misfits stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, I didn't in fact I didn't even open the bag. Here we go. You got one of those bomb ass aftershock t-shirts? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, bet, I like that one. Wow, yeah, look that's at that. It. That's, that's a cool shirt. Oh. Actually, I think I wore that to dinner. Oh, here we go. This is... Uh... Oh. This is Vegas. Oh, nice. That's cool. Oh, oh shit. Oh, yeah. He gave me... Oh, wait. There's another one here. I didn't even open this. What? God damn it. I don't have a Vegas shirt. I got to tell you, I think the best piece of merch he's put out or they put out in many, many years was the, those MSG shirts with the pumpkin, the, the Madison Square Garden shirt with the Halloween pumpkin. Just yeah. phenomenal. That's I, I have one of those because I just I was like I have to have this. It's just so great. Remember, really. um, remember the old ones, the old pumpkin Halloween ones from um, shoot. I don't even know what year. Now. Was this was this before seven? Okay, so this is just when Glenn is on the shirt because Glenn wouldn't put Jerry on the shirt and Jerry wouldn't put Glenn. So you have these weird gaps in the Halloween, the Halloween EP. It would well, be like. One... You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. No, this is the one. This is just a misfit. It's just a misfit shirt. Misfits Halloween and the pumpkin. Oh, I never seen. I don't around. think I've ever seen that. Yeah, it was released huh. around like maybe about 2005 or seven, somewhere around there. Think... But um, we're at WonderCon. I wore it, and he's like, "I don't even have one of those. Those are cool." <laughs> this is my. I, favorite guess, favorite. I don't know. They didn't send them the shirts yet. Which one is that? Oh, that's cool. It's from Danzig Seven. It was from the. That's oh, yeah. Danzig Seven shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Look at that. That's cool. That is really cool. You don't see merch from that era too I often. I like sleeve prints. You know what I mean? That it's on this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all over that. That's I got right. um I got the long sleeve black one of the long sleeve black um fan club shirts that says Danzig Fan Club on the arm right here, and it's oh, got skull from Danzig Five. Yeah, you know which one. That one's uh that's my one really cool shirt I kept. Steve, I'm curious to know what for for you in the set for Peter. for Elvis. What was like? What were the highlight songs? What were the songs that apparently you know the crowd was going wild on Saturday night? Like what what were the songs that you really felt the energy you know kick back from the crowd for you? You you know, it, it, Jeff, it wasn't about the energy, man. This hmm. is not that type of show. Yeah, there was energy in some songs. But it was about him crooning. Right. And his voice was amazing. It had nothing to do with the music. Music was an – I mean, we had, I think – I mean, if you ask me, I was the weakest link of, uh, on that stage, um, no. just my opinion. Uh, but you had two amazing players up there, Ronnie King and, and Jesse Dayton and, of course, Glenn. And, 
and we were there to back up Glenn. Right? It was right. It was different, and it wasn't about the energy. It was about him crooning, and he yeah. fucking crooned his ass off, and he sang amazingly. Now. What was it? The second day of rehearsal, Chris. He sang for seven hours. Seven hours. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. This is what I don't understand. How? First of all, wouldn't that? Wouldn't that put? He was doing like full power, like you know, like not like, yeah. not like full power, but you know, like how if you're doing a soundtrack, you, a soundtrack, you might just, you know, preserve your voice a little bit. He was like full on doing it the whole time for seven hours. Yep. They got in there around two. I showed up around four, and we were still there for like five more hours. I mean, it was all day, and, and it just was kept going blast. over and over and over the material. Yeah, we had the wow. room. When you, uh, when, you know, we had the room from eleven a.m. to eleven at night. Do you think did the songs really sort of uh, transform or take shape than how you came in there when you first started? Yes. Wow. Yeah. The first day I was a little um, concerned, but you know, there's two guys that Glenn and I have never played with and playing songs we've never played. Right. And I think we all had to just find each other's groove and figure out what it, what it was about. And that's what it, how it came to be. The the second day felt much more comfortable, you know, right. It was good. Um, You know, it, it, it really, it was a blast. You know, I'm glad Chris, Tommy, and Robbie came out to, you know, experience it. Um, hopefully there's more, but who knows? Again, you know, it's not an, it's a different venue. It's a different, it's not about energy, man. It's about Glenn, Glenn bringing to life his, some of his favorite Elvis songs and it's all about the voice. It's not about the song. It's about the voice. Hmm. And and when you um, uh, what was that young and beautiful? Love that song. Well, when he, it's just him and the piano player, and yeah. it just gives <laughs> you chills, right? I mean, it's, it's so just good. amazing. It's me and Jesse stepped off stage, and you know, Glenn stood by the piano. And he sang it, and it was just unbelievable. What song do you think went over best, Steve? What's that? What song do you think went over best? Um, I think Girl of My Best Friend. I think Fever. Fever went well. Fever went really well. Yeah, Fever. Um maybe always on my mind. I think little sister went great. Uh, the I, second night we'd actually oh. got, um, a mystery train down much better because we rehearsed it Sunday afternoon on my hangover. <laughs> so that was a real, that was a last minute addition. Wow. Yeah. We had never, we never went through it. We, we wow. Went through it at, at the first sound check, and I was like, never played that. That's that's something else. So what's interesting, what I'm kind of getting, and this is the, what I'm picking up as a non-musician here, is that it's almost like, you know, as you said, like we're playing with guys who are really good, but 
guys that Glenn and I have never played with before. So it's almost like part of the chemistry is about feeling comfortable with those other people. It's like, yes, we all know how to play. Yes, we know how to play these songs, but now we have to be comfortable together in the same room well, doing that, it. That's exactly it. Robbie could tell you that. I mean, yeah. it's all it's all about, if you're not comfortable, yeah. then it's, it's a bad, it, it doesn't work. You either works or it doesn't work. And again, it's it's knowing what it's not the capabilities, but it, it's it's the groove, all right. And again, right. the first day you're kind of feeling each other out. You're feeling the songs. You, you know, a piano player is. You know, remember, piano is is, is actually a percussion instrument, right? It so, is. Yes. Because the the hammer hits the strings. Yes, exactly. That so makes it percussion. You know, the dynamics. And we didn't have a bass player. So without yeah. a bass player, it's me and the piano player, which is hard to hear because he was using a real baby grand piano. So it's hard to really put that up loud in the monitors because of feedback. And then there's a guitar player. So we're all trying to connect. And it's hard at the beginning because I'm not used to playing with a piano, you know, pianist, you know, um, and then a rockabilly guy. Hmm. And you're on the other side of the stage. It's not even like you could have eye contact with them right next to one right, another. Right, because I, I was uh, I was yeah. the opposite corner. So it, it, two uh, questions, weird. two questions. Question number one: Why would you not be on the same side as the rest of the instruments? Is that just like a visual presentation thing? And two: Why no bass? I, that makes I don't understand that. Um, number one: So the. You could see the Danzig letters, right? Mm -hmm. And number two, right. okay. uh, no bass. Um, Glenn didn't record the album with bass. The only song that has bass on it is Fever. Oh. Uh, that was his interpretation of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out fine. Steve, we have so a nerdy... So Fever had no guitar, just bass. Steve, I have a nerdy question for you. I'm so sorry. It's about you, you to get super fucking nerdy right now. We're putting on our nerd... <laughs> Put on your Sam Hain Misfits Danzig nerdy hat. We want to ask you. We were talking about these acetates earlier, and I some, knew he was going to go. And no, someone was mentioning about Halloween Three. Is this a song, Steve, or is this bullshit? This is bullshit, or is this no? Real? I, I think what that was that was just a a version that they thought they would put out that was just uh, the instrumental. Yeah, with it with just like. Uh, the chorus, that's it. Oh, so it's just, it's kind of like what, it's kind of like a Misery, Tomb, and I Am Misery. Right. Thank you for solving the myst The mystery has been solved. Solved in fucking two seconds. There we go. Bro, you solved it in two seconds. I'm sitting here <laughs> pontificating. Dude, you're looking, you're, you're looking too deep. Well, where was he 45 minutes ago? <laughs> no, you know what? Steve, the other day, Steve's like, hey, he's like, how many times are you going to talk about this stuff? Like, what else can you talk about? I was like, dude, we spent fucking 45 minutes fucking talking, like, talking about, like, fucking ass crack hairs. Like, well, this, this is... Uh, we we had this conversation. <laughs> oh my god! As the as as Doctor Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park says, life always finds a way. Always finds a way. I got to tell you, this was very. I, I got this was very insightful. I learned a lot about 
musician stuff that I just didn't know. And, you know, I think it's a real kind of victory. I'm, I'm sorry. I hope it comes to the East Coast. I really now I really need to hear this. I need to hear this. You shit. know, I don't I, I I I don't see it coming here, to be honest mm. with you, um, because of the, the vaccine mandates that Glenn is not into, to be honest. Um, mm. That's true. And, you know, you could say New Jersey, but now that we have reelected that asshole, um, <laughs> he is going to, you know, put in these mandates, unfortunately. So we can strike out New York and New Jersey. <laughs> Chicago. What about Chicago? Again, you know, it's it's like like Chris said before, it's about the venue. It's not a theater type place. It's a ballroom type place in order to get that intimacy. Yeah. Right. So um Oh, man, that's a shame. You know, it's a shame, too, that the Congress Theater is not around anymore in Chicago, which is a place that you guys used to play all the time. And I feel like that had some old-timey magic yeah, if but, it were still but around. Again, that, that's a theater. This is not a theater event. Right. It's hmm. a ballroom event. That's so crazy. I mean, it makes sense. I will, uh, Sorry, go ahead. To explain, just in, just in basically quickly what it how powerful this performance was as i i meant to say this earlier because i don't like elvis right i didn't like the record either but saturday i was sitting there at the table watching the show and i was instantly and i think i told you this um you know when you're sitting there on a weekend and you're at home and you're playing music and you're having a drink and you're just completely vibing on on whatever song you're playing or whatever, and you're just into it. That was me for an hour. I was completely lost in that show. And I remember every minute of it and I will never forget it. That's how mm. good it was. Wow. Yeah. Cause when I, I spoke to Glenn last night after I landed and he's like, you look like you had fun. I'm like, yeah, I had a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, I had a great time. What more can you say? What more can you say, man? Honestly, exactly. I, this was really, I got to tell you, this was more of a breakdown of the, of the Vegas and not like I keep saying Vegas, the, of the Los Angeles. <laughs> I, cause, cause I think of Elvis, I think of Vegas. Okay. It just oh, makes that's what sense. It, that's right? what it was supposed to be. Right. Right. That's what it was supposed to be. Um, look, I, it was pretty epic. And if it never happens again, I'm glad that I was part of it. I mean, and, you were, dude, you were part of the Danzig Legacy special. I mean, you saw some cool shit. You saw some cool shit. Um, we were talking earlier. Robbie mentioned um, th this sort of Mr. Jim style in your playing or something. What were you saying about that? I was mentioning, like, I noticed when Steve does a lot of buildups, he does it with the cymbal and snare simultaneously. Most drummers usually, when they do a buildup, into a transition, they do it like on the toms and the snare. I noticed Steve and Jim usually it's that it's like a it's like a buildup. It's a different kind of dynamic when it's a ride and a snare together as opposed to a tom and a snare. And well, I think you you, you got to know what you're playing for, and I I I right. like to think I'm pretty well versed in all kinds of music. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. 
But, uh, well, if I being compared to Mr. Jim, I'll take that as a compliment because he was one of my influences growing up. I mean, that was the first stuff right. I was listening to him and Tommy Ramone. I mean, well, that's what I was saying is like, because if you listen, I was given this example, like the ending of Attitude on Static Age, he ends it with a buildup of the ride and a snare. It's not a traditional buildup of the toms and the snare. But then you listen to what you do on like Harb is on Initium. You do that everywhere with the ride and a snare. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it was a subconscious it, thing. To me, it's a feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But it gives a different total feel if you did, you know, like a, you know, a traditional buildup. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I'm a, I like to think of me, myself as a drummer. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. I'm pretty straightforward. I don't need a lot of, you know, fancy schmancy bullshit because yeah, it's yeah. not what it's about. It's right. It's 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 like um, some of the best drummers keep time. It's a timekeeper. I'm not I'm not the guy from Rush the or whatever want to be. That's yeah. not my thing. But for the Elvis thing, it was really it was more of that show was more about um, for the drums. It was more about dynamics than anything. Oh. Parts where you had to come up and parts where you played back. I noticed you did that especially on like one night as opposed to what's on the record. With the yes. Yeah, you know I mean the transitions from the verse. Well, you you got to come out and be a little strong. Yeah, yeah. But I used different size sticks on different songs, and my, probably most people didn't even realize that. But I had like three different size sticks because they give you three different feels. Wow. And I had the the rods, and I had plastic rods. And again, they're all to give different dimension. You can't, you can't do a song like "Is It So Strange" playing a drumstick on a cymbal. It would overpower. So I used I used a plastic brush on the cymbal and a light drumstick for the side for the side stick. So I had three different size sticks and then two different brushes and two different size rods. Again, and that's why on the drum head, why I wrote that and I wrote which rods I needed because again, it, you, you, in those two days of rehearsals, I realized, okay, during the dinner of, of the, no, it was actually London brought in some of these other sticks and I'm like, yeah, this will work. I went over to the music store, uh, the next day and, uh, the Arby's trip, Chris, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, bought all these different ones and figured out, okay, this is going to work best here. You know, because it's all about dynamics with, with with that band. It's not a it's not a rock show. This was Danzig sings Elvis, and you know, it's like I said, it's all about dynamics. So question, when you, so that's something that you personally, and by the way, I don't know if I froze up or you guys froze up. I missed a smidgen of Steve's explanation. I'll have to play this back. So if, if you answer this already, forgive me. Um, it, so what, how do you come to that decision to use this versus this? You're like, ah, this song is really sort of broad and powerful. So I'm going to use something that's more broad and powerful. Or you, as you said, dynamics, which would make me infer that it's the opposite. You'd use something lighter for something heavier or something heavier oh, here. for something Here's lighter. Here's a stick bag that I haven't put away yet. Okay. Now, if we look at. Yeah. This is Break it one down. of the, the sticks. These are, these oh. are rods. 
It is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's one size. Then there's another size. Then there's thick sticks. And then there's, this is a thick stick, right? Yeah. Then there's thinner sticks, you know? So you gotta, you gotta, you know, pick your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick what you're gonna use it depending on the dynamics of the song. Not every song was uh, like a Misfit song or a Danzig song. There's there's highs and lows of all those songs. Hmm. So that's and I so had to figure that out fast. So and that's what I did. Like, like Fever has really heavy like the drums really showcase. So you would pick something very specific for that. That I used these sticks right here. These were the pair. Wow. Yeah, and on uh, uh, Baby Let's Play House, you could see the 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 sticks how they're kind of all bent from hitting the rim. Right, you use the rim for certain sounds. Cool. Yes. Very cool. So. Yeah, but anyway, listen, it's no real fun. I'm going to fucking bed because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hey Steve. Thanks for popping in. We we got to end this anyway because I got to wake up and. Get my kids. Yeah, yeah, I got a paper route, and then (laughs) I get back from the paper route. I got to do yoga. Then I got to get the kids ready. Then I got the paper route. I'm gonna eat yogurt. Yeah, and then I'm. uh, I gotta, I gotta work, Steve. I gotta make, I gotta make stuff. I gotta make stuff for people. You know. Oh well, good. That's why I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting. I know. I know. (laughs) So you know, stuff, stuff has to be. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take stuff. Got to get taken care of and whatnot. I gotta. I just want to thank Steve again for coming on the stream. I'm sorry to bust in on Robbie's show. No, Uh, no, not mine. No, this is the best. I'll tell you the best shows. And Robbie's been a part of this a few times. Robbie jumped in on on Carlos's stream, Loki's stream one time. Whenever when you when you start a show and then all of a sudden more people pop in at a later time. You know, you do the show with the person and then people pop in and you just sort of bullshit. And it's great. It's fun. So. But thank you, Steve, for coming on and saying, saying, uh, get, b- breaking it down for us. It's really interesting. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you real soon. You got it. Take care, guys. Bye, Chris. Talk to you later, bro. Peace and air grease. Talk to you soon. Um, that was really great. That I thought that was incredibly informative and answered so many questions on, from a technical perspective that I – you know, that Robbie, who's a drummer, you know, filled in the best he could. But having the guy who did the thing, you know, really sort of lays it down, you know. So that was really great. Um, but I really want to thank both Robbie and Chris for, you know, coming on. And all of us just hanging out and chit-chatting. I love it. I love it when a show goes like this. It's just great. It really oh, it is. Um, tomorrow night, Chris and I are going to be back at the grind with our other show that we do. On this channel, Sinful Celluloid, which is Chris's show, it's on my channel. What are you doing channel. a Scorsese fucking episode? Like I asked you. Yeah, he wants a score. He wants a Scorsese episode, Chris. That's right. That's right. Okay, I'll do Let it. Let me get I'm back down. home so I have my tools because I'm in here in LA for another two weeks. Right. And we'll do it. Yeah, that we'll would do be it a next, lot. Of- we'll do it next month. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That sounds good. And Maybe... feel free to like hit me up and harp on me if I drop the ball. No, we're gonna we're gonna do it. I'll 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 keep on him. I'll 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 light a fire under his ass. Make sure he gets it. No, we really will. And uh, so join us tomorrow night for horror soundtracks. Chris has got a channel. He's got the sinful celluloid channel. 
So go make sure you subscribe to that. Robbie, go follow Robbie on Instagram and Facebook. Remember, Robbie and I are part of this show, the spectacular that's happening. It's happening this Saturday at the Lodi VFW. Rue Morgue is going to be there in the flesh as well. We got Voice of Doom, John of Doom, the Johns of Doom. They're 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 going to be playing. Uh, we got Tony and his Secret Subway. You got moi. I'm the I'm the MC. I'm going to be doing raffle shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, what else can I say that hasn't been said? Oh, please, if this is your first time to the channel, make sure to like, share, and most of all, subscribe to my channel. Like this video, all check out the Patreon, like all of it, really, because uh, this is what I kind of do for a living right now, and I want to keep it going. So, but tonight was a fun, really, really fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Truly, truly. I just followed Robbie Bloodshed on Instagram right now. Perfect. So make sure you go uh, go do that. Go do that. You follow Chris. Follow everybody. We're gonna do all that. I just want to thank you all so much for turning in. So, guys. Hey, you two hang out for one second. I'm just going to do my okay. Patreon spiel, okay? So sit tight. Over. It's about three minutes, guys. We have a wonderful way. Guys, how do we say goodbye on this show? We say... Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair Hey, guys. What's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind the scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. They never know.